looking back, that was when God was like, yo, that's your gift. Yeah. There it is. So it's not going to be easy, but go after it. And that was, that was it. There was no, and also I just, I'm not going to let New York break me. And I actually, my apartment now, I have a view of the Empire State Building mm. and I like insisted to my wife, wherever we live, I want that. And it's because I look at the, that now and I'm like, you didn't fucking break me. Oh, I wow. swear to God, That's I look at it and I'm like, I got you. I yeah, got yeah. you. You didn't get me. Kevin Hart, I think, or Charlemagne always says that we live in the age of transparency. Yeah. So, like, the more accessible you are, the better. But I just don't. There's got to be a buffer. Dude. Oh yeah, there's got to be. Yeah. yeah, there's a yeah. There's a book called Boundaries. We gotta, gotta figure out what the healthy boundaries are. Mm-hmm. Well, I yeah. saw today that TikTok is getting sued by I think there's eight different state attorney generals. Or. For the, just the mental health, the whole mental health thing? Uh, yeah, because every yeah. time my wife is like, can I show you my TikToks? I want to jump up a fucking balcony. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's crazy? I was talking to some old dudes, like, and I say old dudes like me, like 35 plus. Like, yeah, yeah, that's where I get all my news from. I'm like, TikTok? Yes. TikTok? Yeah, it's yes. crazy. I believe it. Yes. I believe it. I, yes. I literally... I'm like, is it angry going to dance? Very smart is, he, is he dancing <laughs> while he's talking about... They do a lot of things like, uh, you know, some of the grills, like a guy that, that does some development stuff with me. Uh-huh. He says he he learns he gets so much more information off of TikTok as far as learning how to do you know build things or in his shop doing really? stuff like what off of TikTok instead of Instagram instead of YouTube somehow yeah. so is it like are, okay hey I'm gonna do like the highlight deal and then I'm gonna click the link and then I'm gonna go find it because aren't they the uh, algorithm just it knows everything it's like the sharpest algorithm somebody said it well it's the apex predator of social media apps huh. like it's better than all of them. And then I saw somebody try a method to get a baby to stop crying when you're holding the baby. Yeah. And he tried it from TikTok. He put the video on Instagram, but it worked. Mm. Like he just does. You can learn anything. It's crazy. Yeah. And it will make its way to you. You don't have to yeah. seek it out. Is there a limit, though, on the time, uh, time limit? They're going videos? 10 minutes now, which might be too much, oh, okay. but they're going to go mm. 10 minutes. See, I was originally thinking it was, it was yeah, like the 15, vines, right? 15, like 15 seconds. seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Now you it's, can't learn anything. Now it's a minute. I th- or now it's three minutes, and yeah, it's going 10. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nobody it, cares. That's insanity. That's crazy. Yeah. And that voice you hear, by the way. Cause we're rolling. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. If, we're rolling. Yeah, we're rolling, yeah, dude. We're, hey, rolling. we're real smooth yeah. with our intros yeah. and outros. That, that voice you hear, that that sexually, uh, sexually raw masculinity. Raw masculinity. That's what. Yeah. I'm yeah. Thank you. Thank you. There was. I, I know I, people I, always say it about my voice. Hey, that's a <laughs> hey, strike two today, Ben. At lunch, he's putting his leg over mine underneath yeah. the underneath the booth. I'm like, hey, you ben. said you liked it. Well, but no, not around other people. Okay. And then you start you talking got a about strong ass people. thigh, dude. You can't let that thigh go to waste. <laughs> dude, that neck. Thank you, man. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> that thigh. That's a nice thing. said to me on Gosh, don't do it, dude. Don't anyway, do it. back to what I was saying. <laughs> don't do it. You look that like Broke Front you. Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> that voice you hear Just for the third time. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> is none other than Akash Singh. Uh, you know him from the Flagrant Two podcast. You know him from uh, the tour. He's a touring comedian. Um, he's been all over, making the rounds. Yep. Thank uh, you. Get ready to laugh today. Yeah. Ready to feel awkward so today. Quick, so quick story. <laughs> so like, I feel like this is the day that our podcast has arrived. You know, we've had like Mike Irvin and Aikman on. And we had Matt <laughs> Frazier, and we had we had some guys. But today is the day that like we arrived. So here's a quick story: we had lunch before this at the Cowboys Club, and for those of you that are not like in the North Dallas area, is it's like the Cowboys within their facility have this like exclusive member club. 
So we walk in and obviously we're with Darren who ring of honor, all time leading tackler for the Cowboys. So we walk in and then we walk out on the balcony and, and so Akash is out there and a guy walks out with a tray of sunglasses. So Darren's getting the table set up for us inside because he's, he's our errand boy and we make him do everything That's for us. I do. So, so <laughs> comes out, so this guy comes out with a tray of sunglasses and he's like, Akash, man, hey, you know, would you like a pair of glasses? And he's like, oh yeah, thanks. And they're really good about service, but I'm like, how does he already know his name? Like, that's really good. And he's like, dude, I love your special. And at this time, Darren's walking back out. I can't tell you how much it bothered me that you weren't there. Well, <laughs> but here's the rest of the story. Here's the rest of the story. really validated me in your eyes. Here's the rest of the story. Thank God you're telling the story, yes. you know? I actually, this, yes. is just, yeah. this is news to me, and I was <laughs> so out there. He goes, he goes uh, Mr. Singh, like, I, I, loved, I loved your special. Like, that was awesome. I was like, that's great. Well, Darren walks out and there's a no cell phone policy. So Darren walks out and he's on his cell phone and he looks over at Darren. And he goes, um, excuse me, mister, uh, you need to put your cell phone away. So he knows Akash and doesn't know who Darren is. Who's a household name? That's a damn that, lie. That, that, that was a lie. You fixed that one up. I was like, who the fuck? What did I walk out with my cell phone? Let's be honest. If you're younger than 40, you don't remember Darren ever playing football. So I'm 37. You I remember, remember this guy. You damn hey, sure remember. Hey, for real, when you said, hey, it was my first year watching football was your rookie year Darren kind of like stumbled back and he's like damn how old are you no, you, know, you look got 12 me. you know what, I mean? <laughs> what got me what got me was you knew he's a true fan yeah because yeah. he mentioned your name <laughs> he said he, you said Tyler Klutz and he was like huh yeah <laughs> I know you, and I was like, "Fuck, that is a true <laughs> fucking fan true, right there." True, blue, all the way through, through and through. through and through. I didn't remember any plays, but I knew I'd heard the name. <laughs> oh man, here's the deal. My job, if you remember the play, I did something wrong. Fucking long snapper. Kind of like my personality. The more I blend in, the better I'm doing my job. Have, but how, how many episodes have you spent on Darren's teeth, by the way? Because I have. For an hour and a half, wanted to tell him how great his yeah. teeth were. Yeah, yeah, hey man, you know what? Got him clean today. Too. So we've got a, really yeah, it showed, buddy. I, used, I honestly used to think that on TV. I'm like, this guy got great teeth, dude. Mm. And now in person, this yeah, guy does not veneers. Yeah. 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 Those oh, not veneers. Yeah, these four. Oh, oh okay, there you go. Hell yeah. Oh, you should have seen me beforehand. Chipped in the whole night. I didn't wear a mouthpiece, man, in my time of playing in the NFL. I had to talk. I had to talk and communicate. Yeah. Did you so, get them done before you were no finished I playing? Them after I got them done, after, man. After okay. I when I walked out, this is a true story. When I walked out of the Cowboys and I was done, they asked me, "What do you what, what do you need to be fixed?" Right? Well, my wrist was broken. Mm -hmm. my, my wrist was all my wrist was up. broke. My fingers back, were my all, back was yeah. broke. They, so they fixed my fingers, yeah. fixed my wrist, uh, did a shoulder deal, and I was out the door. Right? But yeah. when I walked out, I was like, you know what? My teeth were all cracked. Just I'm serious, man. Yeah. For the years, and I was like, I'm gonna get my teeth fixed. Yeah. So was that, that to do from, with the Cowboys? Was that from just, the meth or was that from playing? What about crack? Not meth. Black crack. Don't okay. yeah. right. you know? He went white people's crack. That's white people's crack. Hey, you saw that one. That's white people's crack. That's a great show. If you don't know, like you can look up Akash on on, on YouTube, and and the oh, stand up dude. is. Phenomenal. Just Thank be you prepared because you're going to get yeah. lost. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Look, we, we've done however many of these episodes. I've never seen Darren this excited yeah. to have a guest. Yeah. I flew in because Darren DM'd me. I was like, are you fucking crazy? I'm not yeah. going to find it out. And we need more brown folks in here. 
That's yeah. the thing. Let's just yeah. let's just cut it. We are the UN. That's the reason why I'm so happy. Tyler was like, you know how many years I spent as only white guy in the locker rooms? No, no, I had no. Yeah, that's, true. that's true. He was always the minority. You say that because I can't say that. I got you, dog. I got you. Hey, we're right here, man. Hey, we're gonna go down that road. Yeah, yeah we, there's a stand up he talks about. We're we're the that. UN of podcasts, though. We got a black man, we got a man from South America, and we got an Irishman. You're on South the, on American. The, yeah, He's where? High Come class. On, no. Come this guy on, rich, yo. What kind of rich family are you from? <laughs> Light skin ass. Hey, hold okay, on. Blanco. Yeah. Hey, they the vacation in South America. He just happened to be born there. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's just, just by luck. They, I was born they, there. Summered, they summered in. <laughs> Were you born there or conceived there? Uh, I was born there. Really? Yeah. Where? Dual citizenship. Uh, Rio, Brazil. Oh, Rio okay. Yeah. Yeah. You speak Portuguese? I don't. No. How embarrassing. Hell, <laughs> Hell no. He speaks Abilene. Hey, look at him. That's where of course he does it. <laughs> yeah, we left when I was five, so I, okay. I lost it all. Lost yeah, it all. Okay. Used to, but lost it all. You played you played football at ACU, right? At Abilene Christian. You couldn't have girls in your dorm after like four PM. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not worse than that. Ever. Yeah, y'all no weren't girls allowed to dance, allowed. something crazy. Every like other that. week you got visitation. Every other week. It's like, yeah, like prison. Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. prison. Wow. Yeah. So so with that is we're gonna send you when we leave this, we're gonna send you his rap video that he did at Abilene Christian. Talking about talking about chicks in the dorm rooms at Abilene. Jaw rule and like a Christian guy. Jaw rule. You went to Jaw Rule. I'm I'm on the Mount Rushmore of rappers. If you, you and Greg ja Olson, the best football rap. Marion. <laughs> 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 Ray J, yeah, the whole nine. <laughs> Ray J not really known for his rap tapes. I'm going to be honest with you. He's known for well, different tapes. I am, so. <laughs> yeah. Ray J's a superstar. Jeez. That's the, that's the queen maker right there. Hey, man, can we start the pod? We no, we've been rolling, no, no, man. No, no, hey, we've been rolling. Lead us in, Ty. That's it, we, we already talked about it. Y'all, you I feel like y'all hey, started bringing this. He misses. He misses no, no, no. You didn't bring us in, Ty. No, no. no we're, we're already, we're already brought in. Excuse my friend. He's a little we, slow. No, no. The no, podcast started. No, no. Yeah, we know earlier. But we gotta go back to 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 the story. We gotta talk about your your journey, man. Okay, got it. So, Ty. Yeah. You bring us in. All right, thanks, man. So I'm sure you repeat exactly what you just said. Jeez. So if if you are just joining now. Five and a half minutes into the podcast and missed all the comedy gold that has already happened oh. is this is the one shot podcast. And we have the pleasure, like I mentioned earlier, that you've already listened to uh, is we've that arrived. passive aggressive at you. Yeah. But we don't. But, that was his one hey, shot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Passive aggressive. Yeah, 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 yeah. You think yeah. I'm going to take the all time leading tackler head on? Uh-uh. Passive aggressive, man. What, what Darren doesn't understand about podcast. <laughs> well, he doesn't understand about podcasts. This is not live. That, ex- like, that explains <laughs> The thigh action. You don't yeah. just randomly jump in. They know who we're talking to. Yeah. No, they know who we're talking to, but I want to hear the man's journey. Can okay. we? Yes, I'll bring it in. <laughs> Thank you. Fuck okay, let, let it. Let me pull your way on the show. Christ. <laughs> All right. So, Akash. Yes, sir. We want to talk about your journey, man. We want to go back. Let's talk. Where were you? What were the family dynamics? Where were you born, first of all? I'm and born and raised here. In Dallas. In Dallas, yeah. Right. Baylor Hospital. And then we went to, I lived, I grew up in Plano in the suburbs. And then uh, Frisco right before I graduated, and then I went to college an hour north of here in Austin College. So my whole roots are... Are you a raccoon? Um, I was a raccoon, You were a raccoon? Dude, I was there when they didn't have the first RA on it. Or the first oh. RAC. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That ain't, oh, oh, really? Yeah. It's for real. It was just Hold that. On. It is hey, for real. Relax, dude. I, I didn't come up with a nickname. <laughs> We got, got hot in this bitch all of a sudden. Yeah, I'm, seriously, I'm sweating hey, right hey, now. Darren immediately is like, we're moving our office. <laughs> <laughs> I am not supporting that. 
<laughs> Were they really? Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, I remember laughing because I it was what? 2002, I graduated high school. So Frisco at the time was very country. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I remember when they started, like people started coming in. They're like, yo, we can't be this anymore. You can't go by the nickname. No. And I didn't even know it was a racial term. So white people were like, people from Plano were like, you're going to go to that school? And I was like, what? What's the big deal? Mm-hmm. And then now it's it's insane and hilarious. But when they changed it to raccoons, there was like legit protests. Like really? people were like, this is, this is, you can't do this to us. And I was like, are you crazy? They're, they're going by the full name. Like, this is what you're choosing to argue? They're making it not overtly racist. What is it? And actually calling it by the proper name yeah. of, of the animal. Yeah. The was... vicious, intimidating animal that is the raccoon. Oh, dude, My eyes are open. Yeah, I'm a raccoon, dude. Yeah. I'm a fighting raccoon. I used to never... just be fighting. Uh, you know wow. what I mean? Not one. Yeah. Not one yeah, brother yeah. up there. Yeah, two. Not one. Yeah. On the <laughs> to call them that. It's a different yeah. C word. <laughs> There's a lot of them. Uh, Explain. I don't know. All right. So, so graduated high school in yeah. Frisco, Texas. And I was pre-med in college. I was supposed to be a doctor because everybody wanted me to be one. But I wasn't good at it. Like, I wasn't good at the science stuff. And it never even th- crossed my mind to be a comedian. But my senior or junior year of high school, my friend kind of planted the idea in my brain. He said a few times, we were in a biology and anatomy and physiology together. And he said, you're not going to be a doctor. You're going to be a stand-up comedian. And I'm going to be your manager and take 10% of whatever you make. And I was like, ah, oh, that's funny, whatever. But the idea kind of started marinating a bit. Mm-hmm. And then a couple years later, freshman in college, he went to UNT. And he was like, yo, there's a coffee shop at UNT that has an open mic. You're going to do comedy. Get time together. No so I thought of a set in the shower and in retrospect, I don't remember any of the jokes, but like it wasn't good, <laughs> but I went there, a few friends came down and it went well. Cause it doesn't have to be good to get a good response. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. right. So when it went well, I, I've, my wife is so sick of me telling the story, but this is a moment I will never forget. You basically just have a script in your mind that you've memorized. And I would practice it in front of friends and they would laugh. So I was like, okay, this could do well. And I'm just doing the script in my head. And there were moments where the audience was laughing so hard I couldn't get to my next joke, my next line. So I'm panicking like, yo, they're laughing too hard. I can't say my next line. Mm. And then I remember the back of my mind, I was like, yo, they're laughing so hard I can't even get out the next line. Mm. This is the coolest feeling I've ever had. And I knew I felt like this room, like I control this room. You felt the and energy. They're laughing. In the room. I felt yeah. the energy. I felt the confidence. I felt the rush. I felt everything. And in that moment, and I didn't accept it for years, but in that moment, I knew what I wanted to do. Mm. And then I did comedy, that same set at my college, it went fine. Then I did a new set the next summer at the same coffee shop and bombed my ass off, like hard, like I pulled off stage. Like more people came to see me expecting this thing. Right. And I ate it and I remember I was like, I can't do it, it's over. And then for two years, I didn't get on stage, I didn't touch it, I never thought about it again. I thought about it, I was like, that's done, that's over. And then my friend had to do it again at our college. They asked me to do 20 minutes, and then I was like, yo, I could try to take 10 and see how it goes. And then that 10 went well, and I was like, I still didn't have the heart to do it, but I knew this is what I was How did you, after you lost, I mean, basically that's a loss, right? You, you treated Big that loss, as an L. Big loss, blowout loss. How did you bounce back from that? Because I'm sure after that, your mind was telling you that you lost confidence. Lost like, confidence. It's just not for me. So what did, what did you do to get that back, to even do 20 minutes? Just I mean, to even say yes to well, do it took, it again. I took 10 of his 20, but that took two years. That was the summer of my freshman year, yeah. and it was spring semester junior year before I got back on stage. Like, I didn't do it. It was out of my mind. And I still knew I wanted to do it, but I also didn't understand you 
are going to bomb for the rest of your career if you pursue mm. this. And that's one nerve-wracking thing. Like, I'm doing a, a pop-up show here in June that you, whoever's listening knows now. Yeah. But I'm inviting y'all. But that, I could bomb on that show. And that's what sucks about having people come see you is they don't know this can just happen. It's like an off night. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're yeah. in the NBA, you're going to have an off night. Yeah. But everybody who sees you is like, oh, that's it. That's who he is. Mm-hmm. So, correct me if I'm wrong, though. It's the same... It's the same show no matter where in the country you're going, right? Well, the same I'm going to do no? different crowd work normally. Like, I'll always, almost always start with messing with the crowd. And depending on how much fun I'm having with that, that's how long I'm going to do that okay. for the most part. Mm-hmm. And then I do my jokes, and I have a, like a, however many jokes that I try to choose from. But you try to live in the moment and see where that takes you. Because mm-hmm. you don't want it to be an inauthentic experience for these people. Yeah. Sure. You want it to be a night that's honest and real, and we're all living in this thing, and let's see where it takes us. Right. So your buddy in high school, when he comes to you, or, yeah, you're junior, senior year, yeah. and he says, hey, you're going to be a comedian. What was it about your personality, your charisma, that, that made him t- say, hey, that's what you're going to do? That's a great question, Tyler. I know because I'm struggling to figure out an answer. <laughs> I don't know. I was wild. I remember moving in 11th grade. I was only 20 minutes away from my old friends, but yeah. like you're moving in 11th grade. That's like, I don't know these people. Yeah. Yeah. They all got their friends. And then I remember saying at one point, I was like, oh, who gives a shit? I got my friends back home. Yeah. I still see them every weekend. Yeah. So I'm, let me just be wild here. Let me just have fun. I don't care what these people think. Mm-hmm. And so slowly I would just get more and more like out there and like let the crazy stuff go. And then he was sitting next to me. So he saw that early on. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, you know, this kid is going to be a stand up. What, what about your parents? What were they thinking? They still don't this? like it. <laughs> no, at all? My mom really is on board. But early on, she was not. And she will say she was, but she was not. She was like, you know, Tommy Lee, Tommy Lee Jones was a doctor who then went into acting. You could do that. Right. And my dad jokes. He's like, I would still rather you be a doctor. And yeah. he's mostly joking, but he's like, I know it's dumb, but like, I'm an Indian dad. Like, right. And I, I'm not mad at that. At least he's honest. So yeah. do you come from a, a traditional Indian family? Or yeah, 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 yeah. Very. It? Like, my dad is very traditional in the sense of like wanting us to be Indian, which is good for me. Because mm-hmm. it's the only place... The whole world, there's no way in America, I've said this before, but there's no Indian American way to act. Mm-hmm. Like hmm. black people have like a black culture in America right. that you can choose to be a part of or not, but it's there if you want it. White people, you just kind of get to exist, but you have all these, you can <laughs> skate, you can be a country, you can, there's all these little things where like I can find my tribe. There's nothing for Indians. There's an occupation, mm-hmm. be an engineer, be a doctor, but that's it. Mm-hmm. So like, People sometimes will be like, why do you talk black? Because I'll use slang or rap shit or whatever I pick up. And it's like, okay, but tell me how to talk Indian and I'll do that. Without, mm. While speaking English, tell me what to do and I'll follow that script. So it's good because it's nice to be home and reminded that I am Indian. Yeah. And that's like my roots are in India. And it's at home I was always. So do at home. Did you guys speak Urdu or did you? We, Urdu is the Pakistani language. Right. We speak Hindi. Hindi, yeah. And I didn't because my parents, they tried, but then the longer they're here, the more they get in the habit of speaking. Right. Uh-huh. So my mom just talks to me in English without, like, I'll ask her to speak Hindi and she won't. But I've had to make a conscious effort to practice. I swear to God, I would practice at the bodegas in New York City. There was a bodega across from the comedy club with two Nepali guys, and they learned Hindi through Bollywood movies. Mm-hmm. So I would just speak Hindi with these guys. I would go to Halal Card. If the guy spoke Hindi, I would speak Hindi with him. And I'm not great, but I'm conversational because I've just worked on it and worked on it and worked on mm. it with, like, whoever I could. Kind of like you in Mexico trying to talk to cabbies. No, no. Yeah. I love you. He's hey, no, amigo. <laughs> El Barro. <laughs> Take me up. Dude, he just stays on the resort. Yeah. He just stays on the resort. He just stays on the resort. Why would I take a cab? <laughs> Speaking of Los Ventanas, <laughs> let's drive with me all weekend. <laughs> so what did, your, what did your parents do for a living? 
My dad was, uh, I don't know, he did some fake job in Texas Instruments, and then he got laid <laughs> he off. A fake job. <laughs> you know, it's both man, it's man fake Elaborate jobs out there. Oh, Everybody's job is bullshit. At the end of the day, it's all nonsense. When There's three lie. people that actually yeah. make calculators there, and that's it. Dude, everybody else's job is, uh, literally a guy told me he's in real estate technology one time at a show, and I was like, that's not a thing. That's not a job. That's not, I'm a real estate person or I work in IT. There's not real estate technology. Yeah. Most of your jobs are fake. My yeah. dad had one of those where you okay. tell people and you pretend you give a fuck and you don't. <laughs> right? Like, no, you're right. Is yeah. there a more boring conversation than what do you do 95% of the time? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting job. Interesting job. Yeah. Eh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah whatever. Nah, real estate, real, all jokes aside, real estate is something I'm interested in. There's ways to make money. There's uh, ways to you, build no, wealth. Dude, you already, yeah, you already threw yeah, yeah, so the bus. Go ahead. I know, oh, but yeah. our jobs are fake. We get it. Yeah, fair. <laughs> My dad had one of those, and uh, then he got laid off, and then he opened GNCs, the, the vitamin stores. Yeah, oh, yeah. And ironically, I was very fat that whole time. But uh, he, <laughs> yeah, I was a real chubby kid, real ugly oh. chubby kid. That's also probably too, bro. where Me I too. learned to be funny is you develop a personality because that's the only way. Because you got to defend yourself. Yeah, you defend, yeah. you diffuse yeah. situations, and. I didn't even date really, but like just getting a girl to be interested, I knew there was only one way at the time, mm. you know? Mm. So you learn to be funny through all these, you pick, you develop tools as a man, as a hunter. Mm. Um, so that's how I learned to be funny. But uh, my, when my dad opened the GNCs, those shut down eventually. We used to live right by the star. Okay, we had yep. to sell that house because mm -hmm. we lost the GNCs. And then I also think that freed me up in a way where it's like, look, you might not like my occupation, but the whole family's poor. So mm -hmm. yeah. what pressure do I have? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Like what, what about resilience? I mean, because seeing failure, right, in your dad yeah. and someone, and, and especially in oh, Indian, yeah. Indian culture, oh, yeah. right, respecting. That. So how was that for you as a, as a kid, especially in high school, seeing something like that happen? I don't know. I'm sure it affected me. I'm a big therapy kid. I've been in yeah. therapy six years now, so yeah. I'm sure I've unpacked a lot of that stuff. Yeah. But I know one thing about resilience. The, the only, like, you know, God gives everybody gifts. Right. I really believe God gave me, I'm pretty good with words. Mm -hmm. Like, I can put together a sentence. And I'm fairly quick-witted, but the main thing he gave me is I don't quit. I mm. do not like anything beating me. Mm. When I was pre-med in college, I didn't like it, but I'm going to finish four years. I'm not fucking stopping. Mm. Comedy, there were so many times where I could have quit, probably should have quit, but it's like, you will not break me. Mm. I don't care. You will not break me. I do not quit. That's not in my blood. And so that's the most important thing for me is like, and that's the thing I want to, whenever I have kids, I want to impart on them is you just try your best. And if you love it, don't quit. And things will work out. Yeah. Were you always hmm. that, that mentality about quitting? Cause that's how I am now. But back in growing up, always. I quit everything. Always. I hated quitting. I hated sitting with myself when I quit. And I don't know why there's probably some reason, but like, I guess it was like, this is the only way I can win is just yeah. outlast everybody. Mm -hmm. That's what I have. That's the thing that I have that these people don't. Mm. I think I recognize that on some level relatively early. Yeah. Oh. You're gonna have something. That's a good thing. To yeah, have. And, I, and, and I and I could understand that too. I mean, just look at the difference in the sperm that made you guys, <laughs> and the sperm that made me. Well, I look like you half can't of you. Quit. <laughs> Your top one percent athletic skill on the face of the planet. Great looking guy. Perfect teeth. Drives me nuts. You played college ball. I'm just a kid who runs like a seven four forty. You know what I mean? Yeah. So what so else can funny. I do? Now, funny and don't quit. These are the yeah. things. Yeah, but that you know what, man. I mean, all jokes aside, that that's an intangible. That's something that that spans across the board. Like, yeah. if you have that kind of mentality, man, that's what separates. 
like good athletes, you just said like the 1% from everyone else. Like mm-hmm. there's a fucking dog in you. Yeah. That says, okay, you knocked me down. I may have failed. I may have got up on stage. You fucking booed me. All right, I'll take some time off, but I'll be right back. Yeah. Like yeah. there's, there's something, that quality is something, it's something that we always talk about on this show on the One Shot Podcast. And we listen to you know people that, that tune into us, man. It's always about that next step. Like, fuck, yeah. you're going in life, you're going to get your ass kicked. Yes. Mm. Period. Yes. And that's another thing I want to tell them whenever I have kids. And I'm trying to tell my wife, like, f- learn, to, learn to love failure. Mm. There is no failure. There is only learning. Mm. And every failure is, will always, if you have the right mentality about failure, you're only going to get further from it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's a big thing, I think. Yeah. And I think the, the no quit mentality, and I'm not going to lose, right? You talk about the 1%. The reason they got there is because they developed a skill because they didn't quit. Right. You developed a skill of stand-up comedy and, you know, harnessed your God-given abilities of, of quick-wittedness and, and communication. But the reason you're good is because you didn't quit. Yeah. And, and we're in a culture that, hey, ah, squirrel, I'm going over there. Or, hey, I can make money doing this. Or, I think that I'm happy doing that. And you never, ever develop yeah. into what your potential is and, unless you quit. Or unless you don't quit. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, you talk about the guys that are the elite elite, like the Brady's, right? He is by far not the most physically talented no. quarterback to ever play mm-hmm. the game. No. Not even close. Hottest, but not the most that's, physically fit. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. Best jawline, no He's doubt. the Darren Woodson of quarterbacks. Yeah. Hey, no, that's a good hey, point. The Darren hey, Woodson's you teeth. See, you, see that, you, know, you see that combine. Darren Woodson veneers of quarterbacks. You, you, see, you see that? <laughs> I heard that. I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> you I couldn't that guess you too much. You know what I mean? I switch it on that one. But he wasn't that dude. But even Brady, like, he comes in at the combine, and you see his body. And I'm sure Brady was at the combine. By. Yeah, he's looking at everybody else like, God, <laughs> a grown man. I look like at me, a six-five, yeah, he's He looked like a caution eye when we were in middle school. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let's talk about Matt. I, I've always been, you know, curious to think if, like, to be on stage, and people always say the number one fear is being on stage yeah. and actually speaking, right? right. But mm-hmm. to be, and, and that's one thing to be on stage and speak is one thing and try to motivate people. But to be on stage and to make and have to make people laugh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's easy. I, I think it's not, it's never easy to just be around in a group and just have people laugh. But to be on stage now, it's just you. against it's just you. It's almost you against them. Yeah. What does that feel like? What's that feeling like? It's hard to describe what the feeling is like, but I know. <sighs> I knew, I knew I wanted to do it, and I know it's, it was way more work than I ever realized it would be. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing I would say. Is it's not like it's a God-given thing that I can just go up there. I wish it was, and I was just naturally good at it. I was bad for years, and it takes a lot of years of work and, like, studying. I studied it the way you studied mm-hmm. game film. Uh, there was a while. I started comedy, and I was doing pretty well. And then I remember I was like, I'm not actually saying what I want to say. I'm making these cute jokes, and then try to squeeze in what I want to say into it. And then I went, when I moved to New York after like a year and a half in LA, I started in LA. I was like, you know what? I just want to say what I want to say and then make that funny. Mm. And I bombed. I'm not even lying for probably a year and a half straight. <sighs> just b- horrible show after horrible show. I don't know what kept me going. Again, I'm just not going to let it beat me. But then I literally uh, got this idea from Andrew, but I would write down the first five minutes of every com- comedians that I liked and a bunch that I don't like. The first five minutes, they're special. Mm-hmm. Transcribed every word, every facial expression, every hand gesture. I wrote all of it down, and every time they got a laugh, I figured out why did they get that laugh. Oh, wow. 
And so you, you start to learn there's a formula to comedy. So like when I write on stage, I'll be saying something to an audience member and then my brain will be like, okay, you need to put a punchline here. You need to put an act out here. You oh need to put gosh. these things. And you just kind of learn the formula of it. And that seems daunting. But then you think about the hours you guys spent watching game film mm -hmm. and it's not that dissimilar. Mm -hmm. Right. It's just like you, you start off and you have this baseline that's probably not great at all. But then you work at it and work at it and work at it and polish. So are you watching? I'm sorry, man. So are you, are you watching yourself over and over again? Are you watching your own tape? Yeah, I did. Now I don't as much. Now mm -hmm. it's hard because just the bandwidth I have time wise is tough. Because if I'm watching, if I'm doing a weekend, I'm doing an hour five times mm -hmm. or five times. So that's five hours. I have to rewatch everything, take notes on everything and do podcasts and do travel and spend time with my wife. So it does get to be, I've gotten sloppy on that end. But uh, I will go through and or I'll like have somebody go through and be like, what's a new thing that I said that I could put on? Because now it's all social media. So what can I put out as a TikTok? So you're having to out? go through your content. Yeah, or even somebody will go through and be like, hey, what do you think of this? And I'll say, okay, it's TikTok. So you have to cut here and cut here and cut here. Or if it's YouTube, okay, make that a three minute clip and don't cut here, cut here, cut here. Like it's just, just mm. you're overseeing so many different aspects right. of it. I, I want to get back to the journey here in a second, but on this topic, does watching other people, and I'm, I'm sure it's individual and personality specific, but. Does that not mess you up? Yeah, I'm so impressionable, and... especially. Like, I, again, I hang out with Andrew. I pick up things from Andrew. I hang out with another kid. I'll pick up things from him. I'm so impressionable. I try not to watch much other people stand up anymore. Because mm -hmm. now it's like I want my voice. So I studied what made these guys funny and what, how funny works as much as I could. Now let's try to just watch me and then see what I can do gotcha. and develop my own voice. I, I feel like it would be just very hard, that industry, because like one of the worst things you can be in the comedy industry is a joke stealer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And so, but if you watch other people, you're innately going to be picking up and just kind of by, by, we're storytellers, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we hear a story, we tell a story, you yeah. know, and we, and we let it pass through us. But that's, that's got to be hard because... Yeah, you can make, you can create your own stuff, but at some point somebody has told something similar yeah. to that, right? Yeah. How do you make, how do you, how are you aware of that and conscious of it in, in when you're doing your writing or even ad-libbing on stage, which you talked about? I have ad-lib stuff and then as I'm, dude, I haven't, I think when I was like two years in, I ad-libbed something that I knew was somebody else's and I never did it again and I talked to them afterward and apologized, yeah. but they were like, <laughs> he literally, the guy was like, just tell the other comic that was on the show and that's all I need, which was cool of him, mm -hmm. but um, sometimes that's gonna happen, especially early on. Cause you don't, you're so nervous up there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But now it's like, look, we can have the same, we can, we could both talk about super coffee. Mm -hmm. What are you saying about it? I mean, it's not because you made a joke about it. Like if you're talking about the bottle, I can't, I can talk about what's inside. Mm -hmm. Everybody talks about airplane jokes, but if you have an airplane joke that I haven't heard, that's a new joke. Yeah. You mm -hmm. have a different take on the airplane. That's a new joke. So to me, I don't worry as much about the topic as what you're saying. What's the idea behind it? Yeah. And then if we have the same idea, I'll just talk to you about it and be like, Hey man, I have this joke. I don't want you to think I stole it. And if they're like, yo, I've been doing this 10 years, I'll probably have to put it aside. Yeah. Or if that clip is online. A lot of times it's just who gets it online first. A good but how do you find it. everything though? I mean, you it's, don't, it's, somebody got to talk to you and you got to talk to somebody else. Got it. Donnell Rawlings and I had a joke that's super similar and I've basically stopped doing it. I think I've done it like once in the past six years, but I talked to him. I was like, yo man, I've been doing this joke long before I saw you do it. I just want you to know that if you, and he's like, dude, I don't care. Like that's not, that's a joke that I'm not that whatever. He goes, it yeah. sucks anyways. Please take it. Basically, <laughs> basically that's why I stopped doing it. He was like, it's not that hard of a joke, man. And I was like, all right, you're right. It's not that hard of a joke. You're right. You got that. I want to take a quick break and thank our partners, Sleep Number, and highlight a couple of things they're doing. Guys, these Sleep Number beds are unreal. The technology that they've created, 
the feedback that it gives you on your sleep. I've got the app opened up right here. They tell you things like your heart rate, your heart rate variability, your breathing rate, all these type uh, metrics and feedback to give you so that you can improve your quality of sleep. They're all over the place. You can go and check yourself out at Sleep Number Store, wherever you live. Go to sleepnumber.com as well. They've got great resources on there. We just talked about this not too long ago. They have a whole blog section, all these articles, things that you can improve your health. Sleep Number is definitely changing the game when it comes to betting. So get yourself to Sleep Number. Get yourself to sleepnumber.com and check them out. Now back to the episode. Take take us back to college though. So you you had a great set your first time out. Yeah. Second one you best bombed. feeling on earth. Worst feeling on earth. Worst feeling on earth. Went back, did ten minutes, did great again. Take us. So where'd you go from there? So then I knew what I wanted to do, but still didn't admit it. I was a junior. I took the MCAT that summer mm-hmm. to medical college admissions test. It was like an eight hour test at the time. I never knew did that's what all that. that stood for. Yeah, you're talking to us now. You yeah, yeah, yeah. I never I knew, knew what that, that stood for. Yeah. I've heard that phrase. <laughs> admissions test. I'm like, oh shit. Okay, that's. It is that an is. eight hour. It's it just to wear you out. It's it, they literally put a writing section in there. They don't even care. Colleges, huh. medical colleges, don't care about it. It's just another hour of t- your time that they want you to be thinking. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so I did that whole thing, and then when I graduated, I knew what I wanted to do. But I had a year in between. I didn't do great my first two years of college. Like I said, I didn't really want to be a doctor. I didn't know how to work hard for something I didn't want to do. Mm. Um, but I had a year off, and I was going like, to apply to this, medic, med, like this hospital to get this job that could help me get into medical school or whatever. And my best friend uh, was like going out to L.A. He was like, I want to be a cinematographer. I'm going out to L.A. And so I kind of floated the idea to him. What if I just went out there with you for a year, saw what happened, saw how it was, and he said, absolutely, come through. My roommate from college wanted to be uh, an actor and a musician as well. So I was like, yo, what if all three of us just went out there? Hmm. And then he was down. And so I just asked my mom. And she said, I would rather you know, even if you can't do it, than wonder for the rest of your life. Oh, so yeah. so she was advice. supportive. Great advice. Yeah, she was supportive awesome. at the time. Okay. She regretted it later. <laughs> but I mean, to, to, to her credit, a lot of like, you know, Indians, they're looking like, especially this is before Aziz. Mm-hmm. Russell yeah. was the only one. Mm-hmm. And they didn't even really know who Russell Peters was. Right. So they were like, this is crazy. What are you doing? Literally, she was told, you're a bad mom for letting him do this. Like, you don't know what, you're messing up this kid's life. And then she sat there and took those bullets. And then I, luckily now it has worked out. And uh, well, I'm putting myself in, in their faces. position because you're right. Like, we have this dream for our son. He's going to be a doctor. He's going to be super successful. Because it's safe. Oh, he wants, yeah. He mm-hmm. wants to move to L.A. and be a comedian. And, and, yeah. But, I mean, throw the layer on it. And really, the, the, the culture, the Indian culture yeah. is even more so than that. Right? Yeah. Like, what we grew up with, like, hey, go to school, get a good job. It's like, it's loose, right? Yeah. It's like, we just want you to be successful and happy. Right. You know, the white people, it's like, oh, we yeah. just want you to do what you love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's you no know? happiness. No, happiness never comes up in the Indian household. Right. 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 Happiness is you have kids and they're doctors. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, that's uh, happiness. <laughs> that's, that's, a, <laughs> that's it. At least one doctor and then yeah. one engineer and you're happy. <laughs> Your parents are over two. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Over two. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, that's on them. Uh, <laughs> do you have siblings? Yeah, my brother right here. That's oh, okay. Yeah. So, okay, so you got your brother, yeah. just the two of you. Yeah, and then okay. in, in India, my parents at least raised me. They were like, you don't have cousins. Everybody's a brother and sister. Mm. So, like, I call him Bhaiya, which is what you call your older brother. But any older cousin that's a male, I'll say the same thing. Okay. Like, hey, Bhaiya, uh. you know, that's just a term. Um, so, I have, we have two cousins that we grew up with a lot, spent a lot of time with. In my eyes, that's my brother and sister. Got it. Mm-hmm. They might say cousin, but I'm like, no, 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 no. Yeah, or yeah. brother sister. Mm, okay. So I have one immediate family member, and then I have other cousins that I look. See, at. I have a sister that I just call cousin because. <laughs> 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 
Love you, Molly. <laughs> She'll love your ass. So you move out to LA yeah. and just instant stardom, right? Everything fell into place. Yeah, so yeah absolutely. That's perfect. why I'm 37 yeah. and I'm just now yeah. getting here. You know what I mean? <laughs> now, it was a long road. LA was fun, but like I wasn't the comic I wanted to be. So I was making a little noise there as like a young kid that was going to be funny one day. Mm. And it's a smaller mm. scene. Then I go to New York and it's a huge scene. And whoa, whoa. So LA is that small of a scene? It's small enough comedy wise. Yeah. It's because uh -huh. people there are to be actors or whatever. Right. Now social media stars. Back mm -hmm. then, actors and then comedy was what a lot of them would do just to like help them as an actor. Right. What year are we talking here? 2006? 2006 uh, September 2006, I moved out there. Uh -huh. And then I got a job, got settled. Probably February 07, I like really started stand up. Okay. Like really started. So the move to New York was for comedy. Like yeah, and then I, all was... the veterans, specifically the black veterans, would always tell me you did this backward. You got to go to L.A. to get famous. You go to New York to get funny. And they mm. would talk to me about New York. And you got to put in the hours, and you're going to do this kind of room, and you're going to learn this skill and that skill. And it was just like this whole romanticized idea. And I knew I wanted to be a great comic more than just famous. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't want style, and, or I don't want, like, uh, sizzling no steak. I'm not uh, Cowboy's owner. So uh, <laughs> I, was, I was like... You're don't edit that out, guys. You're Don't edit that shit out. Just so. Just, I'm, I'm not the Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, look, I want to be a great comedian above all else. I love guys like Patrice O'Neill. Bill Burr was coming up at the mm, time. Mm. And I was like, that guy's the truth. That guy's it. Chris Rock is it. Dave Chappelle is it. Uh, Russell Peters is like doing it for us. I want to be one of those guys. So I went to New York and I, man, I bombed for two years straight, hard, mm. hard bombs. Like you're in a, nobody knows you. It's a massive scene. You can do the hood rooms. You can do the club rooms. You can try to stand outside and get people into comedy shows in the freezing cold. I did all of it. Mm. And I just tried to get in wherever I could fit in. Why mm. was it so, like, why being a comic though, like at that point? What did it turn into you in your mind? Like, why did you want to do that so bad? It was when I, that moment, uh, that coffee shop, I knew this is mm. it. This is my, and I remember even, before that, saying to my college roommate, we're talking just late night, and I'm like, yo, if all I get out of college is figuring out what I, my gift is, yeah. I'll be happy. It's worth yeah. it, yeah. And yeah. then that, I look back now, and I forget about that moment all the time, but looking back, that was when God was like, yo, that's your gift. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There it is. Mm -hmm. So it's not going to be easy, but go after it. Mm -hmm. And that was, that was it. There was no, and also, I just, I'm not going to let New York break me. And I actually, my apartment now, I have a view of the Empire State Building, mm -hmm. and I like insisted to my wife, wherever we live, I want that. And it's because I look at the, that now, and I'm like, you didn't fucking break me. Oh, I swear wow. to God, That's I look at it, good. and I'm like, I yeah. got you. I yeah, got yeah. you. You didn't get me. Yeah, yeah, looking back now, I can understand, you know, nothing was going to make me stop. But in the moment when you were bombing night after night and things yeah. weren't going good, was there any doubt at any point? There's constant doubt. Yeah. And there was a lot of, why am I doing this? But I could never bring myself to quit. Mm -hmm. I just don't like doing it. Even now, like if we're, I mean, now I'm 38, so I got to listen to my body, 38 in a couple months. But like... If we were playing sports or working out, like, I'll just get hurt. I don't want to stop. I'll get hurt and I won't work out for three weeks, a month. It'll be, like, a really dumb decision. But I don't like the idea that even this workout could beat me. I don't want to quit this thing. Yeah. Right. All yeah. right. So, so, so you're in New York. So you're in New York City. And I know you're going back and forth. And you're in, you're, you're, like you said, you're bombing through situations. Are, are, is there anyone that's in the industry that's mentoring you or Nobody. saying, hey, man, look, you know, huh. don't worry about it? Andrew no is the closest I had to a mentor, and we were both kind of shunned by the industry because there was a there's a thing Hollywood is trying to do, and I understand what they're trying to go for, but like this the diversity play, but like how they know diversity to be, mm -hmm. like let's just get like a, a one color of every face on a show, right. let's just make it look yeah. different. But they're actually telling your story, we don't really want that. Um, 
And I wasn't into all of that. I didn't. And there's like a certain like we make white people feel guilty about everything. Mm -hmm. And it's like, look, that's what it feels like bullying at a certain point. And I don't like bullying, period. Mm -hmm. So even if we're bullying the guys that did all the bullying, I don't like that. That's not you're not any better than them. Yeah. So I didn't ever really want to do that. And I have we talked about the joke. I have my special where it's like I don't believe in white male privilege. Let's go there. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go there about white male privilege. A joke. How how did that come about? Because in New York, it's so much like I grew up in Texas and there's a lot of extreme conservatives. We know them for sure. Mm-hmm. And you're listening to them and you're like, y'all are fucking crazy, man. Y'all are mm-hmm. dumb and y'all are crazy. And that kind of pushed me more liberal. Then I went to LA and New York and saw the same thing on the liberal side. Mm-hmm. A lot of, oh, you're white, you're, you're a male, you're, your life is automatically good. And it's like, yo, have you been to middle America? You shit on it all the time. Have you actually seen what the white people there are going through? Because it's not that great. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to tell a white person just because you're white and you're a male, your life is good. Now there are privileges you have even though he's the most rich and famous one here, I assume if you're getting pulled over by the cops, one of y'all is talking. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know? I'm, I'm hiding in the back. Yeah. That. My hands are behind my back. I'm like, shit. Hey, just, hey, excuse me, sir. Hey, are you okay? Is, is this your vehicle? So there are privileges, but I think if we had that discussion, which is, yo, there are, uh, somebody said it well, uh, Andrew used to write these pieces, and then well, this other guy that he, that's on our podcast, Mark, said something like, the term white privilege is weird to me because it's actually just black people are getting fucked over in certain ways. Mm-hmm. So instead of calling it white privilege, why don't we just say white people have the rights that uh, black people should have also? Mm-hmm. And that was a good way of putting it, and I think that's better than telling every white person, hey, you're lucky, you're privileged, because privilege says you don't have struggle. Right. Privilege automatically in the definition is you don't have struggle. We take struggle out of your life. And that for anybody who's actually struggling is like, yo, fuck you, man. Yeah. That's not true. Now, if you say, hey, guys, you understand that there's systemic racism that affects black Americans, et cetera, et cetera. They might zone out, but they're not going to get angry. Right. They might be like, ah, come on. But they're not going to get mad, Damn, even no matter gosh, how resistant they are. Don't say yeah. that around these two, man. <laughs> I've been holding their ass. I've been making them feel guilty for the fucking longest. <laughs> You're the reason why. And they're like, oh, I know. I'm so sorry. I apologize. Yeah. So now well, you bring this shit out. We'll make a podcast after yeah. you. It's totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> minorities doing that and i was like yo you you're not even you don't even seem to care about like having actual jokes as like a comic you just want white Mm. people to feel bad and then they'll clap for you and you're doing that in lieu of having actual talent and Mm. then when i saw indians doing it i was like now we're just hopping on a struggle that's not even ours Mm. like indians Mm. in this country you're probably actually from a pretty privileged country, uh, a family in in um, India. First yeah, of all, but Indians like, in India, completely different yes. story. Yes, Indians here, story. you're you're the luckiest fuck to be here, and yeah. you know that. Yeah. Don't try to do this. Yeah. So that's where a lot of my comedy is like reactionary toward the loudest, most annoying voices around. I think that's a lot of stand up in general. Sure, but that's something that's always made me the most annoyed my entire life. Like my brother will tell you. When I was complaining about liberals, he's like, what's going on? And I was just complaining about the loud people in New York and L.A. Like, y'all are idiots. And it gets an actual emotion out of me. Mm-hmm. So that white privilege bit came from the emotion of, like, what are y'all doing? Do you think, you think it's, that, like, first of all, every white guy is just being told he's a piece of shit everywhere he goes in New York. And he's, like, literally apologizing for being white. And to me, actual pride doesn't want that. I don't want your pandering. I don't want your fucking pity. I don't want mm-hmm. that. I have too much pride for that. Mm-hmm. So I was like, there's this is bothering me and that's a joke. That's why I expressed it that way. Mm -hmm. That's what I love though about comedy because comedy traditionally, and I think it's getting harder and harder. And I want to talk about that right now or in a a minute, but comedy is you can have those 
conversations mm -hmm. under the umbrella of mm -hmm. comedy. Oh, it's, it's comedy. You can speak truth yeah. more so on stage in a comedy setting. And there's, uh, to me, there's so much more wisdom that comes out on that stage because the, like Dave Chappelle is one of those guys yeah. like right now. Right. Yeah. He says it, but Oh, it's comedy. You know I yeah. mean? He gets attacked and mm -hmm. he gets more so now, but I, I love that. Look, real conversations could be had under the context of, a stand-up, you know, comedy bit. Yeah. And, and there's truth in it. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot, I mean, they always say, right, there's truth behind every joke. Right. And I, I don't know what your opinion on that I is. I think it's true, but it also has to be funny. You can't yeah. lose sight of, I'm here to be funny. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you forget to be funny, get the fuck off that stage yeah. or work on that. Like, right. I have these emotions that I'll bring out on stage, but that doesn't mean it's funny yet. Yeah. If it's not funny, I can't put it online or let uh, the, the masses, quote unquote, see it because it's not funny. Uh, has to be funny. If that joke about white male privilege not I love how provocative it is. I love saying things that I know people are going to disagree with and then trying to make them laugh anyway. But if I don't make you laugh, then I'm just saying crazy things. Yeah. If I'm just, if I'm saying, if I'm doing social messaging about, you know, white male privilege is a problem and I'm not making you laugh, then I'm just preaching. Yeah. I'm a comedian at the end of the day. Comedy has to be the core of what I do. Yeah. I can't yeah. lose sight of that. See, yeah, that's, that's perspective. Yeah. Right. Is I understand who I, like football players, a lot of times it's like, Hey, we, we've got to remember the fact that we play football. Yeah. Like that's the, that is why you follow us. Yes. That's like we may have personalities, yeah. we may have value that we can add. And I think that, you know, what you do, what we did, what Ben watched us do. Can we be honest? You were probably watching a lot with a Jersey on. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, a, a jersey and no underwear. <laughs> just a jersey. I just, yeah. Hey, I, I appreciate it. Like I said, I don't like bullying, you know? I just, you know, let's, let's call the spade the spade. You, you want to hang out here more often? <laughs> you call me? You call me something? He says, <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, wait a minute. Just, did you just. <laughs> don't judge me about my high school. <laughs> I was talking about uh, him, so yeah, thank God. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that would have been uncomfortable. We got sensitive over here all of a sudden. <laughs> Can you imagine if I was saying that about you? I was like, fucking, what a fortunate turn of events ever. <laughs> talking to the whitest guy here, thank God. The whitest guy here. <laughs> Just hey, based off hey, sheer, hey, sheer hue, he's the whitest. Hey, you know? gosh, I'm sorry for saying that. I'm so sorry. Hey, hey, I'm so sorry. Apology accepted. Hey, gosh, if you want to be the third host of the One Shot Podcast. Oh, my God. <laughs> Man, I can't stop. I don't even know what we were saying. Oh, that was, that was man. Yeah. I, I can't remember either. But I, I just think, I think it's, you know, we, we've got a platform. There's great that we can do. But having the perspective of, hey, look, this is what my position is. This is what my role is. Yeah. My role as a comedian, I've got to be funny. If I'm not funny, then it's kind of hard to be a comedian. Yeah. Football players, same deal. Like, yeah. hey, we are football players. Let's try not to be because we've spent all of our time being experts in football players. We, it's really hard to be experts in other things. And when you present yourself as an expert in another field, yeah. it's hard. Yeah. I think you should definitely like shut up and dribble. I don't like, I don't like that either, but no. also understand you have an opinion. You're allowed to be an activist, but yeah. you're not an expert. Yes. That's the only thing that annoys me about Kyrie Irving is like, you're not an expert in these things. Cause you've read some articles online. Yeah. You're you know, talk by all means, talk that shit. But like, yeah. you're not a vag, you're not a scientist. Yeah. 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 Agree. What do you think, D? 
Dude, I'm not too damn tired of laughing. My stomach hurts, man. <laughs> All right, so, yeah. okay. I, I do want to go, yeah, I want to go back to the. Yeah, the, to the, New York. Mm-hmm. So, yep. when you go to New York, was that the time where you realized, hey, look, I'm not going to just say things just to be funny. I want to be more true, more transparent, yeah. more authentic. Yeah. Was that the New York that you said, okay, hey, it bombed for a couple of years. Was that that New York stint? Yes, that was a transition. And I was doing, also there was other like basic things I didn't do. Like when I would do these hood rooms, they would always bring me up What's to, a hood room? I'm sorry. It's it's like legitimately you're doing a restaurant. There was a restaurant called Cafe Luz off like the a 20 minute walk off the last stop of the five train on the Bronx. Mm. Oh. And mm. it's on a road called Gun Hill Road. Like, you're, that's oh, what damn. we're doing. Okay. And I'm traveling two hours to get there because I didn't want to do the thing where I stood outside to get people into the show. Right. And the, they'll always give you time in the hood room. But they would literally, they have a DJ every show. Every time for a year, it was 2008, they brought me, off to, they brought me up on stage to A-Rab Money. Every time. Every Again, time. Was that money. on you or was that on them? I never asked for it. Every time on stage. Hey. You shit me. <laughs> That motherfucker used to hit though, didn't it? Oh, the first son, it was a slap. That shit slapped. That song slap was the worst part of it. Is I'm getting brought up to a fucking banger of racism. Bobbing my head all the way out. <laughs> I gotta suppress my. I gotta pretend I'm angry. Right. But it was just, you know what they? What I realized is they just want to acknowledge that you don't look like anybody they've seen doing comedy ever, especially back then. Mm-hmm. So what I would refuse to acknowledge my race, and I'll go up there and like try new jokes, and it's like you haven't. Kind of like I was saying earlier. That's probably why I remember comedies at the core because you go bomb at these rooms not being funny i would have the idea and it would be salacious or whatever but like it's not funny yet mm. and also i learned you can and i when i watched other comics every minority at some way in some way acknowledged that their race mm. like mm-hmm. dave Chappelle killing them softly opens with uh, dc is different it's a lot of black people walking around uh, mm. and it's just there's one way to acknowledge my race uh chris rock dc chocolate city bring the pain right. he's acknowledging his race uh, Patrice O'Neill, who I think is brilliant, t- came out and was like, he sees a black guy with a white girl, and he's like, you got yourself a high-level white woman. Mm. And then he says, like, how black guys judge white women, and he acknowledges his race. So, like, mm. there's nothing wrong with acknowledging. It's just addressing the elephant in the room, which mm-hmm. is ironically the name of a Patrice special. But, like, I'm just addressing, you guys haven't seen a guy like me doing comedy. Mm. So let's just put everybody, and the way I, I realized it, it was like, I saw people doing, like, comedy in, like, wheelchairs that would never talk about the wheelchair. And I was like, bro, this is the thing I'm interested in. Yeah. Talk mm-hmm. about you being fucking in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. And that's how they felt about me. Like, yo, I've never seen people like you doing stand-up. I probably haven't seen people like you, period, outside of the bodega. So tell me something about you. Mm-hmm. And I don't resent it nearly as much. Then I resented it, and now I'm like, oh, I was the asshole. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that also helped my perspective a lot. I think comedy can help your perspective because you're going everywhere and doing so many different shows all over the world. But that's what they meant, like, get funny in New York, get yeah. famous in LA. Like yeah. you got to learn that about yourself. Yeah, LA, I'm talking to people who want to be actors. They're fucking idiots. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Dude, I, I, I've never respected an actor in my life. You're fucking idiots. You know what I mean? Like, you're all activists and you don't even say your own words in a movie. Like write a, a script before you write a speech for the acceptance. Shots. For the Oscar acceptance. Shots fired. I don't know. Well, do we have action friends? Though. That's true. If, hey, sorry. No. If, if any of you guys are actors, you're retards. <laughs> I'm sorry you're retarded. I'm sorry I don't respect you a single ounce in my body, mind, or spirit. He's looking deep into their soul, too. I don't know which camera is mine. 
both of them. Just, just look at okay. you. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. From a practicality standpoint, yeah, though. They're really dumb. It's crazy, right? <laughs> they just have no practical purpose. Yeah, practically. That's true. Okay. Just, that's true. <laughs> just but New York City, uh, I'm sitting here thinking the whole time, New York's not a cheap place to, like, what are you doing I was for poor as money? shit, dude. What do you I, do? I think I, well, so my mom floated me a little bit for a couple of months. There was a time when none of us had jobs in my family. Like, all mm. of us were unemployed. Mm. I don't know how we made it through that, to be honest. Mm. My brother was right here. He, did, he was between jobs. My mom was between jobs. My dad was between jobs. I wasn't working. I was doing comedy. And then my mom still had money to, like, give me a little bit every month. But I was spending $400 a month on rent or $325 a month on rent. I had a mattress that I got whoa, for free. Whoa. How many roommates? I had a one. It was a one-bedroom with two roommates. So they turned the living room. It was these, like, Korean, probably illegal immigrant landlords. <laughs> They had a wall in the living room. I'm not saying that because they're Korean. I'm saying it because they're illegal immigrants. But <laughs> they had a wall in the living room. And instead of like actual drywall, like what over there, yeah. it, would just, it was just bathroom tile. So my bedroom was bathroom tile. And to get to the middle bedroom, you had to walk through my room from the kitchen. Oh, no. wow. Anytime you want to go to the bathroom, you had to walk through my room. And that middle roommate was a drunk, pathological liar, came home at like 3 in the morning, Never, all, never sober, stumbling through my room, never had rent, always getting yelled at by the landlord. I had one mattress on the floor, mice running by my face all night. It was miserable. This is straight movie type stuff. It, it is, is it is awful. And, and that's when I realized, like, being poor in New York is like, it's not even like America, it feels like. It's mm. just a different existence. Oh my. Where being in New poor York in Dallas is warm. Yeah. I was in, so I lived in Harlem, and then I lived in Bushwick, both of oh, which I'm now Bushwick. gentrified. Yeah. Excuse me, but that's where I stayed for like six, seven years. Mm. Did you have like a day job or? To, I to had little day jobs here and there. I did taxes at H&R Block for a couple months and then I quit Sounds on April awesome. 1st, right when taxes were about to get crazy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like I'm out. I got it. Wait, so they wanted me to do like a man taxes, right on the wall. You quit your tax job? <laughs> yeah, right. Right when people started really getting into taxes, I was like, you know what? I don't think this is for me. <laughs> what gave it away? <laughs> uh, I got a pilot that I wanted to film, and it was going to pay me as much as the H&R job, uh, block, whatever would pay me. So I was like, well, let me just focus on the pilot. And that was supposed to get picked up, and it didn't. Yeah. And there's a lot of those in this business. Mm. Hey, this is supposed to go somewhere, and it's not. Yeah. And that's where you also have to learn. Thank God I have this podcast. It's a steady thing now, so I never have to rely on that again. Mm. Now, if it comes, it's gravy, but I'm not ban- I'm banking on it ever. Right. All right, so, so you spend, so you said 13 years total in New York. So yeah. what was that progression you know, to doing the hood rooms? To, yeah. all right, now I'm starting to get some notoriety. I'm getting better. I'm getting laughs. And then what is that growth stage? And when did you, when did you recognize that you were in it? Yeah, I, or was it looking it, back? You know, and like, yeah. Okay. You know, what's weird is I, in the last year, I probably feel like I've hit like a rec- level oh, where like shit. other comics are like, oh, Just this now. guy. Yeah. And I, so a lot of it, it's a, everybody's path is different. So for me, I did these hood rooms. I wasn't enjoying it. I was bombing all the time. I didn't have real friends there. And then I, I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast or off the podcast, but Andrew Schultz and I had met him doing one of those hood rooms in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And he and I really connected, but I didn't see him that often. He was at this place called the Village Lantern where they would bark, stand outside, no matter what the weather is, try to get people downstairs mm-hmm. in a dark basement to do comedy. And if they got five people, they did a show for those people. And then they'd keep bringing people in throughout the show. Wait, so you stand outside, wow. yes. you try to bring people in. And then you're on stage. And then they see people. me doing comedy mm-hmm. an hour oh, later. Wow. So, yeah. so do you get a percentage of tickets that they bought? It's free show. Oh, it's all free. Oh, it's I made no money. Oh. We would pass around a tip bucket, and that was what I would live off of, like, uh. meal-wise. So mm. what, what's the strategy? I'm, I'm intrigued what the strategy is oh, God. on the street trying Every, to get people in. So it's in the village. So mad people walk by uh-huh. and, hey, guys, we got a free comedy show right downstairs. You want to yeah. check it out? Dude, I've done that. I've walked by a lot of that yeah. before never, in the city it's, all the time. It's almost never a good show. Yeah. Don't ever believe yeah. it. They'll tell you Seinfeld is coming. Seinfeld hates that place and would set it on fire. 
I don't know Seinfeld, but I know this. <laughs> but our show wasn't, we're not charging you ticket prices. So we, and I truly felt everybody was funny. So the first couple people that come down are the hardest to get them to stay because uh-huh. they have to trust everything. Like there's nobody else there. It's a yeah. dark basement. And I would say, and this was true. I would always try to be as truthful as I could. I'd say, look, everybody's been on TV at least once. And it's a funny show and it's free. And if you, we can leave anytime. And the hardest part is getting the first two people. Mm-hmm. After that, it gets easier. I know this looks weird. So I would usually say that to them. Sometimes it would work. Sometimes it wouldn't. Sometimes those two poor fucks would sit there and nobody else would come in and we have to cancel the show. Mm. They sat there for an hour. Uh. Usually they were very cool about it. But like that's the good thing about that is nobody's watching. There's no industry eyes. They didn't like the kind of comedy we were doing. They didn't Mm. like the club. So I got to do what I wanted to do. And I got to grow. And I was doing 20, 30 minutes at a time because at a certain point I took the shows over. And I would have other people go stand out there and then I would do a great set, 20, 30 minutes and then go. And so that's how I really got to grow as a comic, but I got no recognition for 10, 12 years, probably 13 wow. years. 12 years. Yeah. No recognition. This about? podcast that I did with Andrew as it during quarantine, it really started to blow up and he blew up uh-huh. and then him being associated with this podcast. That's what kind of got people to be like, Oh, this kid is funny too. Akash. If nothing else, he's attached to Andrew. Mm. And then I think over the quarantine, i I got an agent and now he was finally like, hey, do you want to do these weekends on the road? That's a, like a, a good step. And most people get it five, six years in. I was 13, 14 years in. Mm-hmm. But once I got them, I said, give me every show. I want to eat these reps. Mm. I want to get in because I knew how much I was growing. And now, and it took a lot of like writing affirmations to myself and working on my self-worth to say this. But now I'm like, yo, I'm one of the best in the world at this. Mm-hmm. And that's a big, I'm proud of myself for even being able to say that because before yes. it's like, nah, you're not. Yeah, do you say that because you built the confidence because you had so many reps? Like you had yeah. so many reps at at this and over and over, and you built this. Are you making that comment based on the fact like I know I'm one of the best, or if not the best in the world, because fuck, I ate those reps. I ate those Here reps, I and I now I see what I'm doing, and like yeah. I saw how the reps have paid off, and you know I say success breeds confidence, and confidence breeds success. Yeah. You got to start with the confidence. So I literally wrote affirmations to myself, like pages in my iPhone. I am good enough. I am good enough. And like, I would just say it until I believed it and then do it again the next day. And I would write good things about myself. And like these things I would never allow myself to believe. I told you this at lunch, but before that, they would call me on stage at the comedy club and there would be this fleeting thought that I would block out really quickly, but it happened every time. I hope these people don't realize I'm a complete fraud, Mm -hmm. phony. And then the second they didn't laugh, I'd start melting down. And it's like, I had to work on that, grab that thought and say, look, whether they laugh or not, I'm good enough. That doesn't matter. Even if it goes great, it doesn't change anything. I'm good enough. They don't dictate anything. And so you work on that and then you slowly get better and you get the reps and all of it lined up for me. And now I'm in a place where I'm like, yo, you might not think I'm the funniest, but you're going to walk out saying he is good at comedy. The skill of comedy, he's good at it. Mm. So in those 10 to 12 years... Other than personal affirmations, what feedback were you getting to make you, other than the, you said you had that personality, you're not going to quit, but what other feedback were you getting to realize this, I'm on the right track here, at least? Not a lot. <laughs> you're, you get the, uh, the audience will like you. That's an yeah. honest reaction yeah. in the room. And then afterward, everybody, it's very dog eat dog, especially back then when we're all waiting for these industry things and whatever. And Andrew, luckily I, I formed a great friendship with this guy who like blew up the whole model. And he's the guy that started putting comedy clips online in America. Nobody did that. We were all like, well, I want to wait and see if Netflix gives me a one-hour mm-hmm. special. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then he, he shopped a special and nobody bought it. So he said, fuck it, I'll just put it online. And then tickets started selling because people were like, oh, this guy's funny. And so we all saw that and we all copied that. And he had a, like an on-air like, 
uh, intervention with me. He was like, dude, you're one of the nicest comics out here. I wouldn't but have you on this podcast if you weren't. And that was a big moment for me to be like, yeah, I need to start to learn this and like yeah, take this in. Yeah, yeah, because I think yeah. identity probably more so than any other profession, right? Because comedy is your affirmation of your identity of who you are is immediate. So either they laugh or they don't. Yes. Right. So then you question, like you said, like in the middle of the show, I'm questioning. Oh crap, they're figuring out who I am. Or, but to have the mindset of saying, okay, I am good enough. I belong here. I am great. I am now one of the best in the world at doing this. That positive affirmation, right? That separates the identity. Like I am, whether you laugh or not, I'm yeah. I'm confident in who I am. Yeah. And that's I, I feel like that's when you hit freedom on stage. Yeah. And it slows down. Yeah, it's well, you still have to. I still have that voice that's in me at all times. That yeah. little, that little insecure kid. Right. And I think Mike on our podcast, Michael Irvin, called the King Mike and Little Mike. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you got the little guy in you that's kind of insecure and always trying to prove himself. So there's these moments where they don't laugh, and that voice will start. That alarm will start firing off, and mm -hmm. I try to grab it now and take a breath and go, "Yo, it's okay. Mm -hmm. I'm good enough." Mm -hmm. If they will laugh, and if not, that's okay too. Mm -hmm. That happens. Get it out of the way. Eat it. Yeah. I bombed super hard this summer. And it, I really hated it for a day, but like overall, I was like, I'm glad it happened. Yeah. You have to have this. You got yours now, so keep moving. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. A, it's an opportunity to refine, you know, okay, self-correct, whatever it takes yeah. to do in your in your profession. And it is my fault at the end of the day if I bomb, but also sometimes an audience just isn't for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I need to try to figure out how to get them, but at the same time, don't personalize it too much. All right, I want to take a quick minute to talk about our partner, Choctaw Casino and Resort. Uh, we are really, really humbled uh, and grateful to be a partner for them. If you've listened to the show for any amount of time, uh, you've heard how great the resort is there, how great the casino is, the new expansion. They've doubled in size, 3,000 new slots. They've got unbelievable sports bar. They've got unbelievable restaurants, unbelievable movie theaters, arcades for kids. It is endless, the things that they've not only improved but added. Um, but it's just an the, the experience that they provide is second to none. Choctaw Nation has done an incredible job with the community, with philanthropy, with support. Um, they have just done incredible things. So we are extremely humbled and grateful to partner with Choctaw Casino and Resort. Make sure, I know you know it, it's just a short drive of 75. Go check them out. And now back to the episode. How much do you, are you out there just saying, okay, I've got to, I've got to scan the audience because like you said, every audience is different. Sometimes they just suck. Yeah. Like they're just terrible people that should leave there and just drive off a bridge. Right. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll drive. Oh, that got really dark. dark. I'm that sorry guys. Drive. I took that to a dark That's place. Dark. Dark. You got dark on it. It's because I'm white. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it's in you. It's in you. Don't apologize. Don't stop trying to save You're not that kind of white. You're a <laughs> Viking white. Yeah, You're a Viking white. He is a Viking. That's, that's yeah. very true. He's he a yoga tribe. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah this guy. Come on, man. This guy. <laughs> this guy's, no, no, this guy's built to pillage, dude. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's built to... If you just start robbing places, I would literally defend you in court and be like, look at this man. I, he, That's evolutionary. That's what he was created for. for yeah. so, the Aryan. Don't, yeah, blame Darwin, not him. That's evolution talking. That's natural selection or whatever you call that shit. Uh, this guy is for it, man. 
<laughs> have you ever been told that before, Tyler? Have I ever what? <laughs> you've, you've built a pillage. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> you do have a pillage. You do right? have a pillage. Oh, you got a front of a ship. You pillager. You got a very pillager face. <laughs> ah, dude, put this guy in the front oh, of a ship with a fucking god. hat and horns on it. That's oh him. my god. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Tyler, you are good uh, enough. Thank you. You're, your only <laughs> reason for living is not style. pillaging. Tyler, you are good oh enough. Tyler, you are good enough. You're a good father. You're a good husband. <laughs> Back to the audience, how much are you adjusting? <laughs> Guy's deflecting, man. This uh, sweating right now. Uh, how much are you adjusting based off of kind of your stereotype of the audience? I don't have a stereotype. And now that I'm headlining a show, usually if you come, you know me. Not everybody, yeah, yeah. but, you know, a lot of the people. So I, I'm like, you guys, especially the good thing about a podcast you all find is people will get to know you in a way that nobody else will ever know you. Yeah. Mm, outside yeah. of your, like, immediate family mm. and your spouses. Because they just listen to you talk for hours on end. And you're not bullshitting. It's and like, it's you, who you are. You have to be. You can't yes. bullshit for that right. long. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they know me, but also I have learned, I'm just going to try to find the fun in the audience. And if you're a little uncomfortable with it, I'd learn little things like presenting a three-dimensional view of who I am is very important. Yeah. Like I, I remember once I did five minutes and I don't, I'm not good at doing five minutes because I'm used to doing more time and I didn't do well. And my friend told me, he was like, you know, you're making these jokes about your wife and I know you, so I know how much you love your wife. But in five minutes, if that's all they hear is you shitting on your wife, they think you don't, they think you hate your wife. Mm -hmm. So in every joke and every piece of crowd work, I try to keep in mind, you have to be three-dimensional. Yeah. I can't shit on my wife without also mentioning that I love her so much, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. I can't shit on this audience member without also acknowledging, yeah, it's probably some insecurity in me that's making me make fun of you. Or whatever mm -hmm. the thing is yeah. that allows it to be three-dimensional. And sometimes I'll say as a disclaimer, look, guys, I'm going to tease you, but I'm, tr I'm truly not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. So if you're uncomfortable with being talked to, just give me one of these and I'll move on. Okay. And then I'll make a joke like I'm five. I, I, I'm not trying to fight anybody. You can tell by looking at me. <laughs> and it's like a little, it's true. But now it, it provides a much more honest view of yeah. like who I am and what I feel. I don't want to bully you. I don't want you to feel bad. Yeah. So let me say this thing. It's honest. And it allows me to have a little more fun with you. Uh -huh. The right. more three-dimensional I could be, the better. So with an yeah. audience, have fun, be three-dimensional, and that's it. Yeah. Don't stereotype yeah. them. And then dig and find the fun. Right. So have you, before the, your, before you go on, so you're headlining these shows now. Yeah. Jesus. Three, three comedians, four comedians going on before yeah, you. Yeah. Are you ever in the back yeah. listening to what the, what the feedback the audience is giving? I don't, you? I try not to. I try to put on headphones. That's part of my thing too. Mm. I don't want to, I weirdly get more nervous when they're good than when they're bad. Mm. In the mm. same way, playing pickup ball or whatever, I was always more nervous with a big lead than down. Down, I was like, I got nothing to lose. Let's just go fire. Up, I'm like, man, what if I fuck this up? Mm. An audience where everybody's getting huge laughs, I'm like, man, I, please don't be the one to fuck this up. Oh, yeah. And if nobody's laughing, I'm like, all right, I could probably get them. And if not, nobody else did either. Mm. Who cares? So I try to block all that out. Noise-canceling headphones, notes, Eric Thomas, motivational speeches, whatever I need to do, get in your zone, lock in. Fun songs, motivational songs, I try to mix it all up, lock in. Mm. Excuse me. Yeah, that's strong. This is that just, is it's, strong. It's such a crazy world to me. Yeah, to go up there and be funny in front of people. It's so crazy yeah. that y'all are looking at me like I'm crazy because you guys <laughs> literally like put your bodies and brains on the line. Yeah, but what, I mean, look, I think it's different because there, there's yeah, time, you can die at your job. <laughs> Well, I've almost gotten killed at my job a couple you times. Probably, yeah, I'm <laughs> sure people want to kill so, you. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's it's kind of different. Like we can hide. Sometimes yeah. we can hide. Yeah, yeah. 
Mm. Like you can't hide. Yeah, that's fair. It's just you, the yeah. audience. And it's not just the audience that's right in front of you. It's, it's social media. It's yeah. everyone. They're, yeah. they're listening. They're tuning into you. And to have that kind of confidence. See, I can have that confidence on the football field because I'm surrounded by so many guys that I can say, oh, they got my back. They got you, Nobody's got your back, man. Yeah. This yeah. is just you. And that's why I think for us, we're sitting here looking at you crazy because, man, this is – the confidence that you have to have and the, the wherewithal of and, and the way to put words together, that is amazing, man. It Thank really you, man. is, man. We re- that's why I really appreciate having you on. Yeah. Not just listening to you on YouTube or what, watching your shows, but just yeah. be here and watch this and listen to your story. And Thank the you, shit man. you went through for 13 years, man. You could easily quit. Yeah, that's that's I should have probably. <laughs> no, no, we're <laughs> glad you did. But there's a reason, right, that yeah. the number one fear – for people is public speaking, getting on stage, right? So you have taken the number one fear held by humans, you know, as, yeah. as they're, and you're, hey, I'm going to take it head on and, and I'm going to not only just speak and then I'm also going to try to make you laugh and relate to everybody in here and as different as everybody in every audience is, is finding a way to connect and relate to all of those, man. Yeah. I, that really is impressive. And what Darren's, you can hide behind a helmet. You yeah. can hide. Nobody, nobody's biggest fear is, man, I, I really don't want to screw up this cover too. Yeah. You know, yeah, I yeah, really yeah. don't want to, I really don't want to screw up this counter scheme. You yeah. know what I mean? It's yeah. like, it, it, it's, you have it's those moments so though different. in a big moment yeah. in a football game. If you blow a cover two, you just blame and you make else. the wrong. Oh, 100%. <laughs> hey, hey, just, I, mean, hey, I checked you. Blame I, checked I gave you. you the check. I checked like, you. That's your fault. <laughs> yeah. But media is not They're going to see who blew the coverage in their eyes. They're not going to yeah. see it. <laughs> Honestly, uh, media has no idea whose fault it actually was. Oh. But, that's, but they blame somebody they anyway. They blame somebody. You it take is, it or you don't. And it's going to be say, you or the corner. Yeah, it's not going to be anybody else. Half the time I'd be like, fuck, that wasn't me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was him. It's not going to be Randall Godfrey was supposed to, <laughs> to cover the tight end, and he didn't, so I had to cover him. And then the, the slot receiver was running free. There's none of that. Well, look, oh. see the names, too. Randall Godfrey. back I tried, Randall Godfrey. I tried to think of a linebacker. It is comedy, though, because, again, like Cooper, Cup. Remember he, this yeah. year he got famous for being like football IQ, right? He ran through a whole deal. Like, who's going to check that? Yeah. Who's going to check and make sure that his assessment of that coverage and that shift and that, like, oh, yeah. Who's, gonna, who's going yeah. to? They're like, this dude is a cheat because he talked really fast and acted like he knew what he was talking about. That's all she I do. Did. He was good. <laughs> <laughs> hey, true yeah. that. It was good, though. It was good. It was good. Can you think of a show where you started out bombing or the, the first few weren't hitting? Mm-hmm. And then you pulled it out, and, and it and ended up going. Like, I don't have specific examples, but that definitely yeah. happens. And there's shows where I'm killing, and then it falls off at the really? end, and that's way worse. What uh, what happens? Leave with that. I don't know. Usually, you lose them somewhere, and then you try to figure out like what turned them on me. Sometimes you can say I've had shows. It's always a liberal white woman where <laughs> she doesn't like where the joke is going, her and before I finish, her name's Karen. Yes, yes. Yeah, you guys get a bad rap, these bitches. These fucking. They're like Buzz McAllister, where they do all the foul shit, and then you guys are sitting there like yep. Kevin, getting taking all the heat. Buzz, Buzz McAllister, first reference ever on the show. <laughs> fucking, but they'll literally just scream no in the middle of a joke. No! And then anybody who's in the audience is like, I guess if I laugh, I'm hateful. So it fucks it for everybody. <laughs> I've had that happen so many times, and usually I'll just stop the show and go in on them and be like, you're awful. Nobody else felt that you could just not laugh. You are completely entitled to not laugh. Talk to me afterward. Tell me that offended you. Let's have a conversation. But just screaming no 
because yeah. you paid for one ticket. I will give you your money back. Get the fuck out of my show. Yeah. When did that Nobody goes to Bath and Body Works and tells you no <laughs> yeah. when you're trying to sling yeah. some hand soap. Yeah. When, did, when did that start, though? Because you, you referenced Killing Them Softly, which, in my opinion, is one of the greatest so funny. ever. Yeah. And nobody got, I don't remember getting ever offended yeah. by anything he said in that. It's because you're white. Well, he, he shit on white people. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, we can yeah. laugh at it. But that's what I'm saying. When did that change? Got chipped, didn't even know he couldn't race. <laughs> great, great. When special. did that change? I think. I and I love him, so I don't. I'm not saying this negatively at him, but I think John Stewart was the guy that uh, I talked about this. I was with a few times. I think Andrew said this too. It was like Andrew Schultz, where it's like he's the guy that we looked at and we were like, oh, I guess comedy, good comedy, is political. Mm. And then with that, comedy and politics became very intertwined, and we don't realize this guy's a genius at that. Mm. He's a genius level comedian when it comes to politics in particular. The rest of his stand up is good, but when he's talking politics, that motherfucker is the smartest guy in the room. Mm. So. He can do it. Most of us can't. But somehow it just bled into everything. And now comedy and politics are right here. And identity politics and comedy are right mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. And so it's this thing that we're having trouble separating. But the good thing, again, about what Andrew started doing, putting it on YouTube, is now you find who you like. You find your tribe. Those people right. find you. And then you don't want to be in an echo chamber. And that's why it's important for me to address both sides. I don't want to be... Dude, when I did my special, I got this thing about I don't believe in white male privilege. Ted Cruz retweeted it. And I was like, yo, I don't like you. And I said mm. that publicly. I don't like you. Don't make me your fucking puppet. Right. I'm not, uh, I'm going to just say it. I'm not going to be Brown Candace Owens. Mm. I'm not going to do that shit ever. I'm also not going to be the liberal version of that, whatever that person is. Right. So I'm going to be me. And that I want to get a different blend of people in the show. I don't want us all to be in an echo chamber. Let's make fun of everyone. But we do get to find our own now. And I think yeah. there's a large swath of the country that's like, I don't want either extreme. I just want to talk. Yeah, yeah because they, you know what? Look, I think that's, and I think that's 98% of the world. Yes. Right? Yeah. Like, of the country. That's, that's where we, that's where we lay right there. That's where yeah. we're comfortable is, is like, I don't have to be, you know, marching the street with black lives matter to feel like I got to be a part of, I got to be yeah. black. Right. And we're proud of being own, black. Yeah. I got my own views on how I perceive yes, things. And you are right? allowed to have that. Exactly. But I think that, as a black man, a lot of people want to pull me that way. Oh, you got to think this way. Yeah. It's like, dude, I don't, you know, the Joe Rogan deal that, that went down. I want to talk yeah. to you about yeah. that interview. Absolutely. But if you watch Joe Rogan, and I know everybody's throwing darts at Joe Rogan, but if you've been around, and I know a lot of people that have been around, if I've even spent time around, that dude. The warmest guy. Warmest nicest guy. ever meet. Yes. Right? So nice. I mean, it just, and then he, get, he gets these darts, and now they want everyone to go against yes. him. Yes. And that's bullshit. Yeah. It's, it's flat out bullshit. Let's, and let's talk about that Joe Rogan interview because I know there were a lot of eyes. Our eyes were on that yeah, interview yeah, yeah. as well. How did you feel going into that interview? I mean, I was – so when I did that New York Times, uh, I got a write-up in the New York Times, and the, the guy asked me, were you nervous or excited? And I said, and I think this is true, I was really nervous about potential backlash to me. And I also – I don't use that word. I edit it. I love rap. I don't say it. If I'm by myself in a mm -hmm. car, I won't say it. Because I had one black guy tell me, don't say it when I was 14. I was like, that's all I need. Right. Yeah. I, lesson learned. Right. So I don't like the word. I understand most people shouldn't use it, and most people do. Mm -hmm. Joe used it and shouldn't have. But I know who Joe is. Right. So I wanted to be honest and authentic and say, hey, I don't love that you said that, but you apologize, and it seems sincere, and you stopped using it years ago. And if you watch the clip of the Planet of the Apes thing, I wish he had brought this up, but somebody brought it up to me after the interview. He says as soon as he made that joke, he goes, yo, that, was, that sounded really fucked up. That's my bad. Mm. And you mm. should be allowed to say that. Right. You, right. you can't just, oh, why make the bad joke? Because we have to try. We are on a high wire all the time doing comedy, and sometimes we will fall brutally. We should be allowed to get back up on the high wire. Right. 
and we'll just say, yo, I'm sorry, I fucked up. I've made jokes that I know I'm going to look back on and be like, God, why did I make that joke? Yeah. Mm. I'm, I was trying to be funny. I'm sorry, I failed. Let me yeah. keep trying. Yeah, and, but that's what we have a lack of is grace, man, because every single person on this planet that can speak has said something that as it's going out, they wish they could take it back. back yeah. But you can't, right? Yeah. You can't take what has already been said back. And so I, we just have a lack of grace. And the fact that you're, hey, because of, you know, the platform that you have, we're going to go back and we're going to dig stuff up and agreed. I'm not, I'm not saying it was right or it was wrong, but there's also got to be a level of grace. Right. And, and there's just this cancel culture that is absent of it. Right. Yeah. And it's really, I mean, it's hard. It, and what it does is it forces people just to live in fear. Yeah. And then it also, now you have this anti-cancel culture side, which is just being as offensive as possible in yes. reaction. Yeah. And I don't like that either. Yeah. Right. Let's all find a space in the middle, which is, yo, Joe, you uh, fucked up. You apologize. You only Thank apology. You. And we can accept the apology. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, and, not, that's not like street shit, though. Like in, in the streets, yeah. same, sort of the same way. Grow up in the inner city, like you fuck up at times. Yeah. And you might say something a little sideways. The streets will cancel it. They'll, they'll hey, look, I, I fucked up. It's on me. Yeah. All right, then let's move on, right? right. And, it's, and it's the same way in the locker room. Mm. Guys fuck up in the locker room. We say some stupid shit yeah. sometimes. But if you come back and you're real but about why? it. But yeah. why? Why? Back back on the streets or in the locker room, you've you've got to know the person's heart. Like got to about know Joe, his heart. Right? Uh, you, know, you know who yeah. they are. We're in, we're in a position where we don't care who you are, what who you are as a person. You said that, we're holding you accountable. That's right. And we're taking from you what we don't have. Right. And so that's what's hard is yep. it's like, you don't know my heart. You don't, I mean, there's been a, a number of people that I'm sure have gone through this cancel culture deal that like are are probably good people on the other yes. side, right. but yeah. nobody cares. Nobody cares what the heart behind it was, the mistake. And like I mentioned, the grace that, that, that we should be showing that we would want people to show us. And what bothers me is you're only pushing those people further right away. Yes. Yep. And that's where, that's where that's the yeah. divide is getting worse and worse yeah. and worse. That's my main issue with it. If it didn't have that effect, I probably wouldn't feel as strong as I do. Mm -hmm. But you always, these guys who get canceled always lean heavy cancel culture. Mm -hmm. And then they become this kind of joke of themselves. And it's yeah. like, this is, we did this to you, man. Yeah. Mm. I really think a lot of ways, like, a lot of things are responsible for Trump, and I make that joke about that. But one of the things was we truly didn't let white people say anything without jumping on them. <laughs> right. And so you bury it all, and then there's one white guy saying all the shit. And that, that speaks to that dark, festering thing. Yeah. And it's like, yo, I fuck with this guy. I fuck with this guy. Yeah. yeah. But it was funny. Uh, what show was that? Tell it was, which show was, it was that? It's a, it's a bit that I've done a few times, but it's in the stress factor. And I bring back up who's special. Okay. So it's I'm the first, the first yeah, joke yeah. about a uh, white man can't have an opinion. Right. When I say name one thing a white man can't have, I go, okay, an opinion. And then uh, <laughs> I say, you got to let a white guy express himself. Otherwise, it gets real dark. And then... They hold on to that shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they go to a voting booth and we're all like, what happened? Uh, that's what happened, dog. It was you. <laughs> we're all dazed and confused. And they're like, "You, I knew this shit was going to happen two years ago. The second you uh, took Megyn Kelly's hot ass off the air, I knew what I was doing. I knew what I was going to do. There's an overcorrection coming, guys. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, man, that's so true. But I love that, man. I love I love that you have approached it. And, and Joe Rogan, I think, is one of the people that has really just brought this to the forefront. Is like, we can listen to both sides. Yes. We can have the conversation on both sides. Yes. And and it's it's unfortunate because the hyper-liberals have said, oh, you are this, this. It's like, have you ever listened? Have you yeah. gone back and listened to his show over the years? And he what he is more concerned with is just finding out facts. Yeah. And, yeah. Okay, yes, I'm going to bring somebody on that has that opinion, but I'm also going to bring on somebody that has the other. Yeah. And then let you decide. 
And And that's where it should be. This is what's cool to me also about Joe. One story about what kind of guy he is. The first time I met him, Andrew Schultz was doing a special taping. Joe came down. I was in Austin. He had never met me. And I was ready to do the handshake. Hey, nice to meet you. He gives me a big hug. Talks to me nonstop for 10, 15 minutes. Like really warm, really friendly. Only break in the conversation. For whatever this is worth, a young black comic walks by breaks eye contact with me and goes, Derek, gives him a huge hug and then comes back to the conversation with me. And it wasn't racial, but what I thought of within that moment is, you know how they say you can tell a man's character by how he treats people who can't do anything for him? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I can't do anything for Joe. This kid can't even do anything for me. And he's a Mm -hmm. funny, sweet kid who's going to be a star. But Mm -hmm. in this moment, he can't do anything for me. He damn sure can't do anything for Joe. And Joe went out of his way to break our conversation but she didn't even need to have a me and hug this guy and give him a warm greeting and then go back to me. And I was like, yo, this is a fucking good dude. Yeah, yeah. Person to person, this is a good guy. I haven't heard a bad thing about him. Mm-hmm. And it's all validated through our interaction. Mm-hmm. All right. Who are some other people on the on the circuit that you respect and that you look up to? Andrew's another guy that I really look up to because of he of how he operates. Not just his maniacal work ethic. It's really like Kobe-like in our mm-hmm. industry. Mm-hmm. It's like... When he was supposed to help me with my special, he said, I'm free from 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. It's all I have. The day before was supposed to come out. He sat with me from 12 p.m. to 4 a.m., pushed off the rest of his schedule. No way. Mm-hmm. Just like, I'm canceling my shows. Let's just sit here and do it. And then when I saw what he did with one joke that took 16 hours, we did that to the rest of the special, and that took another 48 hours. We were late on the special. <laughs> but literally, he's watching like this, and he was telling my editor, Kevin. He was like, Kevin, when I snap, I need you to cut. And he literally watched like this, and he just go. And you see a guy that's that intense, but also doesn't have that other side where he's cheating on his wife and doing drugs mm. and that, that mm. dark side you always hear about. Mm. That's a guy I want to emulate in that way. Yeah. Joe Rogan's a guy I want to emulate in the way he treats other people. Mm. And I try to be around people that in some form or fashion, I can emulate what they're doing. Because yeah. mm. I know how impressionable I am. So let me try to pick up good habits from these other people oh, and do as my be- the best I can at being the best version of myself. Teenagers. <laughs> Teenagers. Go back. 25 seconds and listen to that again. Surround yourself with people that you want to be like. That's what I learned as a teenager. I had friends that ended up being flameouts. And my mom, when she saw me hanging out with them, she noticed a big difference when I started hanging out with my best friend to this day. He's this Asian kid who's like super well-spoken. And I was 13 years old. And I was like, I'm going to do good in school this year. He was like, well. I was like, what? He's like, you're going to do well. And he just always <laughs> talked like that, was always focused on grades, always focused on getting into college and uh, goals. And then my mom saw that change in me. And we would like, we cussed a lot. But when he saw kids, at the, he, we would all kind of stop. And she was like, I've noticed a big change in you. And I realized I am impressionable. We are all. Yes. Me more than most, but yeah. we are all. So yeah. hang out with people that are going to leave good impressions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you talk about the, the guys that you look up to. Has it hit you yet that you're now to the point where people are looking up to you? I am not comfortable with it yet. My <laughs> self-worth is not there. It's like, this is weird, man. Find somebody else. I'm not that guy yeah. yet. I yeah. don't. I hope I will be one day, but I'm not that guy yet. But even when Indian kids, we have a friend who dropped out of med school. He like pushed off and was like, well, you did it. And I was like, no, 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 no. Mm. I don't like that. I don't want my future to be in your, your future's in because of me. Right. Like exactly. I dictate it. No, I'm not comfortable with that. Mm. And I, what I tell people is if you're willing to sacrifice everything for this, no, I didn't, you don't have to do it like me, but I didn't hang out with my friends most weekends. I never pursued a relationship. I was 31 before I met my wife. That's the first girl I ever had sex with. I don't drink. I don't mm. do drugs. You don't have to live like me, but I was willing to do all that to get here. Mm. If you're willing to do all that for this, go for it. If wow. you're not, might not be for you. And you can make it doing the other stuff, for sure. Most people do. But I knew I was willing to sacrifice everything. Mm. So if you're willing to sacrifice everything, this is for you. If not, you might need to do something safer. Mm. Talk that to us about goes across the board, though. 
right? Or any big dream. Yes. NFL, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You don't, listen, I know NFL motherfuckers are out here partying for sure. But if you're willing to give it up to get there, then cool. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Talk to us about your wife, how you Mm -hmm. met her. Oh, I I told you guys she had a fat ass and I followed it. (laughs) And I remember I was thinking from behind, you see a girl from behind, she had a little, she had a little turkey on her. So I said, what's going on here? She looks like she could be Indian, but her ass is Dominican. So I followed her and then her sister turned around and was like, can we get a picture? And I was like, you can get, you can get my whole phone. I don't give a fuck what you're talking about. And that's like how it started. As soon as we made eye contact, I was like, this girl is gorgeous. And then she gave me her name as an Indian name. And I wanted to marry an Indian girl. Always. I was always looking for that. And I was like, this is like, this is perfect. She's, you know, she had like a, she was nine years younger than me. I was 31. She was 22, but I hadn't been in a relationship. So it kind of worked in that way. Uh-huh. Uh, we definitely both had a lot of growing up to do. And we worked hard on ourselves and each other. And that's how we've made it here. Otherwise, we would not have. But, uh, yeah, she had like a, she was doing like a co-op at Goldman Sachs. And, you know, she had descending toes. The length was <laughs> staircase. Yes. You know what I mean? Stair step. Yeah. Perfectly. Yeah. You don't want a New York skyline. That's yeah. fucking wild. Well, you got to have don't a, want, You don't want steep stairs. No, want, no, no. Nice gradual want, step yeah, down. walkable you know stairs. I mean? yeah, very, yeah. yeah, very easy on the back. Something that your grandma Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. You got to be you gotta be careful. Those things are going in your mouth. It's like, be careful. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, Saul sounds like a toe <laughs> fetish. Here we go. Here we go with the toe <laughs> fetish shit. You're looking at everybody with open open shoes <laughs> and shit. Like, is what my wife. Fuck? You know what I mean? No, I would no. never disrespect her. Take my shoes off for you. But here's the question is, is are they in your mouth while you're in the front seat driving? That's the real question. No, no, no. We're not there yet. Not a Rex Ryan. We're not doing that. Free. Yeah, now, you're, now you're pillaging. Now you're <laughs> pillaging though. Hey, uh, so what's your wife's name? Man, you didn't give us just lean. Just lean. Just lean. Yeah, okay. yeah. Like right. Justine got married last summer. Last summer, yeah. We're supposed to get married oh, 2020. Yeah, but yeah. yeah it's been it's been great. I really love being married. It's like, and we both grew up having to learn a lot about how to fight. Both of, I mean, like how to communicate because both of us we only knew fighting to be ugly yeah. and mm. like you know bad. So we both had to learn a lot about how to communicate and have healthy fights. Mm -hmm. And again, when people talk about red flag, this and that, I'm not going to date them. That's a red flag. Red flags are like real. They're like abuse and, you know, like cheating, manipulation, that kind of stuff. But outside of that, the real red flag is I'm not willing to work on me. Yeah. Mm. If if one of you guys, both of you guys aren't willing to work on you and yourselves, that's the red flag. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Other than that, there's very few red flags. And she and I, we both had some toxic shit for sure we had to work our way out of. But like we worked hard therapy, couples therapy, Mm. read the books, did everything. She was worth it to me. I was worth it to her. And we've made it work. That's awesome. Darren's got it. A tactic if you're fighting and it gets bad. Oh, dude. Let's, can we talk about this? I don't, think, I, don't think, I don't think we can not it's talk good. about it's this. Gonna no, it's going to fix all the talk about fix your marriage. So, for uh, sure. So, we're having this conversation, and, and, and Ben can probably set it up better than I can. But Tyler gives us his advice about how to how to diffuse Tyler's the situation. Tyler's a relationship expert, by the yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How to diffuse the relationship with your wife, right? Yeah. Here we go. So, he says, hey. So you grab your wife. So you guys get into an argument and it's going back and forth. You walk up to your wife and you make sure you get close enough. You put your hands out and you tell your wife to put her hands into your hands. And you come in. That's how I know his wife is white, that this works for him. She's Italian, bro. Opposite. Uh, Opposite when it comes to fighting. So what what was the rest of it? So the point is, the point is. No, no. Finish the damn story. (laughs) You hold hands. You hold hands. And you're now eye contact. It's really hard to yell at your spouse when you're holding their hands and you're face to face. Right. It's really easy across the room to yell and to get, you know, for it to escalate. But if you take this right. Okay. Hey, it's a reminder. Like, hey, we're in this together. And if you're willing to yell at me right here. 
here, then I don't want anything to do with you. So let's take this. So here we go. No, that's just because she thinks he's going to go full Viking uh, and well, take hey, his hands. No, hey, what, I, what, I did say, what I didn't say, Darren, is when she takes your hands, you crush them. <laughs> so I take the advice, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get into a this. knockdown. It's two days later. He's like, like, and he had us. And he's sense. telling a story, right? Yeah. And this is a serious conversation we're having. Man. This is what we call our round table. This is a yeah. fucking serious conversation. And Ben and I are sitting there going, damn, that shit. That's good. Sounds that's like it's really fire. Good. I know like, that won't work for me, but it I, sounds like I got most notes people. and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got me and my, my wife's Italian. <laughs> yeah, and we get, it's volatile sometimes. Right, our wives, right, right. our wives are like very, very similar, very, very, very similar. So, so I'm, I'm like, like, oh, it works for me, man. It'll work it for, works you for yeah. sure. Our wives are closest, yeah. thi- thickest these, right? So I'm like, all right, cool. Two days later, we're in this knockout, <laughs> drag out <laughs> argument, right? And it's in the morning. It's like eight o'clock in the morning. Yeah. So I'm like, I got this shit. So I walk over to her and I'm like, hey, babe, 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 come here. She walks up. She's like, what? And I put my hand out and she looks at me. She looks at my hands and I'm like, can you put your hands in my hands? That's exactly what I'll get. She puts, she's like, for what? (laughs) I was like, babe, just put your hands in my hands. She puts your hands in my hands and I look at her and I look at her. I pull her close. She's like, what the fuck are you doing? (laughs) And I'm like, see, there we go. This dumb ass shit. That's why I don't like your ass anyway. <laughs> That's when you say it's not your fault. What are you talking about? It's not your fault. It's not your fault. <laughs> it's not it's your not fault. Your fault. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. It's not my fault. Oh uh, shit. Your fault. Yeah, there's no way my wife would listen. Who the fuck are you talking to? All right. I, uh, okay, I'm not here you for your shit out of my I'm not here for your little manipulation <laughs> techniques. All right, dude. My bad. Some Viking named Tyler told me. <laughs> Apparently that's how he dupes him into pillaging them. (laughs) You know what a nice relationship hack I have for any relationship? I realize apologies, people always say the worst thing you can say in an apology is but. Mm. Like, yeah, I'm sorry, but. Mm. What I realize when we say but, we just want our side to be heard. So what I'll do is I'll front end it. I'll say, hey, look, I was feeling, um, you know, X, Y, and Z because of this, but I still should never have done this to you and I'm Mm. sorry. Ah. And that... It might not work perfectly, but it definitely goes better than flip. It flipped. sure as hell is going to work a lot better than holding the hands. Yeah, I mean, no. it's not going to diffuse everything, but <laughs> at right. least you'll feel like, okay, she heard me, and I apologize for what I should apologize for. And then she'll remember at least he apolo- the apology seems way more yes. real. Because you're saying, but at the end that's of the day, I never should have done that. That's what yeah. you're with. Is, that's what I remember is the apology. No, yeah. I, I love that. By the way, you're white, man. This will work for you. So don't dis- <laughs> don't discredit it. Like yeah. It's perfect for you and Whitney. Yeah. So don't hey, don't try no, to I'm, put me down just because yeah. your friends are here. So, so look, look, let's go back to this. Kosh, I, I know you've you've been well traveled, man. You've been, yeah. you know, look, you've cut your teeth for a long time yeah, in New yeah. York City, man. For those that are young professionals, doesn't have to be a comedian. What advice would you have for someone breaking into or or, or being a young entrepreneur and wanting to do whatever the frick they want to do and, and taking the criticism? Because a lot of things that happens when you become an entrepreneur, you're always having pe- the criticism that's the darts back at you, like you yeah. can't do this, you shouldn't do that. Give us something that that's helped that you've held on to. Um, there's a couple things, I think, uh, one, like I said, learn to love failure and, uh, yeah, there are no failure. There's only, I have a friend we're going to see after this who tells that to his kid's basketball team. There's no failure. There's only learning. Mm. And I want to use that exact line. Another oh, thing, man, that's good. and this is a big lesson with like talking to girls. Uh, I was this one girl I liked, didn't like me back or whatever. And then my friend Andrew said to me, the moment you are immune to rejection in anything, you are a fucking superhero. Yeah. You are dangerous. unstoppable. Yeah. Wow. Rejection means, hey, that's fine. You feel that way. Cool. It doesn't reflect how I feel about me. You just aren't whatever. Wow. Yeah. So whether it's business, whether it's a girl, whether it's anything, 
rejection should not, once you get to the point where it doesn't bother you and it doesn't make you feel this inside. Now, if I go back and be single and I, if I want to be out there, it'd be the funnest thing in the world. Ask out every girl that you think is cute and she says, no, okay, I'll ask you again in a couple of days. Mm. You can say no all you want to. It don't matter. I'm not going to view myself differently. You're not feeling me in this moment. Maybe you'll change your mind. Be respectful. Don't be inappropriate at all. Yeah. But like in any field, whether it's business, the same guy with the, there's no failure, there's only learning. He cold emailed everybody whenever he moved to Philadelphia all the time. Just his wife was a doctor and he sold a piece of his business for millions of dollars just off of asking people for coffee. 95% of them said no. One person said yes. They're just talking mm -hmm. and then he tells her what she does and she's like, oh, I might know somebody that, could, that would be interested in what you do. Mm. And then he made millions of dollars off that cup of coffee. Mm. And, but he got, to, he got to get rejected by every other small business person in Philadelphia before he gets to that. That's and right. it never affected him. That's great. Wow. That's and I think always be willing to learn and look yeah. at yourself and say, what could I do better? Those are probably the three biggest lessons. Oh, and be smart with your money. I think every one of us has probably learned a lesson where we fucked up money. Yep. I went broke in 2018. Yep. If you can start planning financially intelligently now, you're just in way better shape. Like you, mm -hmm. me, you. Eh, <laughs> eh, <laughs> there's no retirement fund at our job. Yeah. I, and I didn't realize that. And now I have to get enough money to take care of my wife and my children if I ever stop doing this forever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so you got to plan that very differently than living check to check. Yeah. Start yeah. doing that early. It's better. Yeah. Love it. So New York right now, I mean, it's it, New York's, it, it, it kind of works West, right? With kind of the, th the thought process thinking, right? So right now is a little bit of a scary time. You just mentioned money saving. Yeah. What is, I mean, with the last couple of weeks, you know, obviously kicking off with Ukraine and then, you know, the oil ban, everything that's going on. What are you feeling like? What's your perspective on the scary times ahead? You, you went through 08, obviously, you know, like Ben and I we were both broke as a joke in 2008, so it didn't really make a difference. But what are you feeling like now that you're starting to see some success? How do you approach the uncertainty? I look at that stuff like it's a real opportunity. Mm. You don't want anybody to struggle, but if it happens that America is struggling or we're in a recession and you have, you've been smart with your money, yeah. this is your opportunity. Put that money into the market. It will go up. And if it doesn't, America's failed and we're all fucked anyway. But it will go back up. So this is the opportunity. That's, I remember moving to New York. A bunch of people were moving out. And the building I live in now, I have no business living there. So I literally saw Tom Holland there the other day. Mm. But my wife said, why are you moving to New York when everybody else is moving out? I said, because everybody else is moving out. That's right, yeah. I said, that's why we want to move Be an in. opportunist. Be an opportunist. And we got a crazy deal because they're dying for people to come in. Yeah. So if you are smart with your money... These moments where other people are scared, that's when, uh, what do they say? Be fearful when others are greedy and be greedy when others are fearful. Mm. It's really hard to learn. And if I had done that with my money my whole life, I'd be so rich. But I'm trying to implement that now. When other mm. people are scared and we're pulling money out, I'm putting money in. Let's mm. go. Yeah, that's an easier lesson when you do have money. Yeah. It's an easier lesson to live out. And that's where the front end planning helps. If you're right. smart with your money up mm -hmm. top and don't put money in that you can't afford to lose. Right. But if you have disposable income, Let's go. Put that yeah. in. And if you let money that if I lost it, it wouldn't really bother me. Put it in. Put all of that in. Every mm -hmm. dollar of that you have, put it in. Let's have disposable income though, right? You've got to live below your means, right? You've got to set what my living standard there is. There is a financial book that my dad told me about, and it's called I Will Teach You to Be Rich by this guy, Ramit Sethi, Indian guy. Mm -hmm. But the point of the book is 
you don't have to these guys are like, if you don't drink a cup of coffee every day, you save right. $20 a week. Right. He's like, yo, if you like coffee, drink the cup of coffee. Yeah. Just spend lavishly on the things you enjoy and the things that you don't really care about, yeah. save yeah. relentlessly on those yeah, exactly. and keep investing that money in the market. Yeah. He's big on just the S&P fund mm -hmm. or just whatever mutual fund. Put that in a Vanguard, whatever, low fees. And then you will have that money. And he brings up the way compound interest works. If you start investing $100 a week when you're 18, that's going to be worth so much money when you're 50. <laughs> Yep. It doesn't take much. Right. Right. Yeah. We right. we went through an exercise in my economics class my senior year and and we just went through like what a Roth IRA could do. If you mm. put in fucking crazy. It's mm. ridiculous. And I'm like, what kind of dumbass was I at right. 18 years sure. old? Mm -hmm. All I got to do is 100 bucks a month. 100 yeah. bucks a month. Yeah. No matter how broke I was living off of, you know, $423 a month in college, mm -hmm. like I could have figured out a way to put a hundred dollars in, right? Yeah. I could have figured it out. And what that would be at 35, yeah. two years ago, what that would have been. I mean, yeah. that's seven figures in just under 20 years. Yeah. And if you're just diligent about it and it's like, oh, what a dummy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And 35 comes way faster than you realize. Way yeah. faster. And you got a lot more, if you're most of us, knock on wood, got yeah. a lot more life to live after yeah. 35. Yeah. Way yeah. more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if you're 28, it's not too late. Guess what? By the time you're 48, that's a pretty early age to pull out seven figures out, yeah. of, out of an investment. Yeah. And mm -hmm. then you can live the life you want to live. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. A couple couple thoughts come to mind for me about this time. You know, like Tyler said last time, 08, you know, the last big financial crisis for us. I, I could care less. I was in yeah. college, 25 bucks <laughs> in my account at any time. Didn't bother me. Right. I was poor anyway. So now what I keep thinking about is that time. Well, oh, it was 08 to what, 2011? Mm, about 08 to 12, 13. Real okay. rough 08 on So even better, 2010. That's two years. Yeah. Right? It's not going to be forever. Mm. So that's one thing I try to keep in perspective. We're two years into the pandemic. Yeah. Right. Oh. Yeah. Right. That's one mm. thing I try to keep in perspective. The other thing I keep in perspective is there's been a lot of trash talkers these last 10 years about how to be tough and how to be relentless and go through bad times and we're getting to walk the walk right now. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. We're getting to actually live out all this trash we've been talking these last yeah. 10 years of, hey, this is how you got to get through hard times. Well, we're about to find out yeah. who the real tough people are. Yeah. And so I keep thinking those two things in my mind as we go forward. And, and it, it's obviously unknown is always scary. Yeah. You never know what's going to happen. But I try to keep that perspective. 100%. For anybody out there listening, it's not going to last forever. It's how we work, though, is like Ben's an eternal like pessimist, and I'm an eternal <laughs> optimist, right? He's like, oh, it's the worst times ever ahead of us. It's coming. It's coming, guys. And I'm like, guys, it's not going to be that bad. Not bad. I mean Dude, that's the best mentality. Again, the richest guy I know. Anytime anything that, like, just even changing plans with him, every time he'll go, oh, perfect. We'll just blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And that little mindset shift, I tried to adapt, adopt and, like, Oh, it's all good. I'm gonna make the best of whatever. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying I'm, I'm still very pessimistic. I'm a cowboy fan. I've learned, but <laughs> you got you know, the more optimistic you can be about things you can control. Right. Then you the, just the, said you it right there. that rejection. Yes, thing that's what. You just hit it right there, though, man. You know, and we always talk about it on the show is that we get so concerned about everybody else. Yeah. Oh, I do that too, for yeah. sure. Fuck, it's right here. Yeah. It starts right here with my with myself. Yes. Right. If I can get set my own standards and say, look, I, hey, look, I, like you just said it earlier. Like the big the greatest wealth that I've ever had is because of the fact that I've been an opportunist. Yeah. I've held on to some cash and I've had good people around me that said, now is the time to buy. Don't worry about it. Now is the time. And I always say it. When disruption happens, yes. there's there's chances. You got opportunity yes. for those chances, right? And that's what's but I but 
in doing so, if you listen to and watch all the fear mongers out yep. there and you listen to all this shit, the sky is falling, you'll never get anywhere. And it affects me more. Like I'm a, I'm a Bitcoin guy. If I just, if every time everybody was like, yo, pull it off, it's, it's gone. It's finally going to cave in. If I just put more money in those times, I'd be so rich right now. Right. Yeah. And it's. Believe in you, man. I'm curious about you learning about money because I don't remember financial freedom being a big conversation back then. Yeah. Especially for athletes. And there wasn't like a broke documentary about NFL athletes. And so to see you in a real estate company and all that, even before that was Roger Staubach. But for you, I was curious, when did that happen? Man, it was early on. Uh, so, but I mean, uh, right, you got paid in beaver pelts, right? So that's how long <laughs> that you played. So, so how did you, how did you learn like modern day money? You, you bought it from your, bought it from your father. Shillings. What was it like yeah. getting paid in shillings? <laughs> <laughs> Going back to my shit, Mel Pillager. Uh, I would say, look, I, I think it started early on because I went through a situation when I first came in the NFL where a guy, uh, a financial advisor, took advantage. Mm -hmm. And I knew, like, I knew then. I just wasn't taking, I wasn't taking control of my finances. I wasn't looking at them mm -hmm. in the way I should have been looking at them. My mother was there. My mother was worked for an accountant growing up, so she understood. Right. And she was telling me, hey, just don't trust everybody. Get, get. Get a better understanding. Educate yourself. And when I started to edu really educate myself on the littlest things, and it wasn't like, you know, I didn't have to rely on everyone else mm -hmm. to tell me what was going on. You just pick up a fucking book. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Just pick up a little book. Listen to some people that really know what the hell they're talking about in the market. And that's what sort of transformed me to think, okay, look, first of all, I knew myself. I wasn't a big spender. Mm -hmm. I never, I wasn't going, you know, go buy the the Mercedes 500 and all these yeah. big cars and big houses and all that. That wasn't my, my lifestyle. So I just lived within my means knowing this was going to end at some point. Right. And that's what allowed me to catapult myself after I got done. Huh. Like I had finances. I had money in my yeah. pocket. Yeah. And I could make, I could take some of the risks. Uh, I can take advantage of when you, and here's the thing. When you have money in your pocket, you just said it. When you have it in your pocket, when times get hard, that's when you make it. Yeah. That's when you spend it. You know, the new hustle I've learned I have a friend who he drives like a Ferrari mm -hmm. and then you think he's spending a lot of money on it. And he's like, I buy the Ferrari that I know I can resell for more money than I paid right. for it. True. So I drive a Ferrari and I literally go to the dealer and I say, which one will resell for the most money? And they'll say, well, it's green, but do you really want this color? And then he, I will ask, does it resell for the most money? Mm. And if they say, yes, I say yes. And I drive it and I sell it in a year and I make six figures. And I buy a Rolex that might be twenty thousand yeah, dollars, but I know in a few years, huge, yeah. I know in a yeah. few years, this is the watch that will resell for the most. It's the most coveted watch. If you have access to it, you can also. These rich people are doing stuff with money that's like these guys are fucking man. They're playing games we didn't even know were possible. Chess, we're playing art. checkers. Yeah, yep. art. Art is, is the, the highest flex. Yes, absolutely. that's the richest flex. Yes, every piece of art in. I'm not even taking a shot at Gene and and. Uh, Jerry. Uh, Jerry, but every piece of art they know is an investment. Yep. It flexes, it's beautiful when you walk in, and I'm going to make money on that. That's yeah. right. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, they're very smart about money yeah. in every way. So walk us, we talked about, okay, what led you up to here, and, and, and we're talking about, hey, some of the really cool things that you're getting to do now. Talk us through, you know, the upcoming specials, the podcast, I want to hear about that, but I want to finish this conversation with, okay, what is the next 10 years? Like, what is the, what is the vision on, you know, really the brand that you're building in yourself and what you're doing, what the goal is long-term. 
hell you ask great questions dog Thanks, man. you make me nervous because i haven't thought through this shit and i'm like what am i doing yo? <laughs> how do i not have a vision for what i want to be in 10 years uh no i know so i had the special that i had bring back a poo that came out in february mm-hmm. and this month i want to drop another special a crowd work special yeah mm. and it kind of came together while i was filming bring back a poo i had one of these shows that was just like i was having so much fun with the crowd and i walked off thinking holy shit that could be a crowd work special which is something andrew did but the one thing i haven't seen anybody do is bring out two specials that close to close close together mm, yeah. so you're thinking how can you differentiate differentiate yourself from everybody else that's one thing is uh, just two back to back, and I don't love Drake. I'm a big Drake hater for whatever reason, but oh, wow. yeah, I just I'm jealous, and um, <laughs> I understand his greatness, but I just never liked him, like the music or whatever. Is it, is and it I just really held on. I'm is stubborn. it because he was on Disney? Yeah, that was part of it. His name is Aubrey, and I just I don't know. It was too much. It was too like it felt too well inauthentic, and like I I think I have a bit about this, but like I love living vicariously through rappers. Doing mm. shit I could never do. Like DMX, I fucking loved. Oh, yeah. This guy's doing, like, robbing people and selling drugs and smoking crack, and it all sounds so fun. Wheelies on quads. <laughs> I'd never do it. Yo, this guy's a rough rider, dog. Wheelies through Yonkers. <laughs> yeah. So I loved him, and Drake is like, he's just a light-skinned dude who's heartbroken all the time. I am Drake. There's nothing yeah, here. Yeah. I don't care about this. This is me, guys. We both wear turtleneck like sweaters I'm a lot. less like, attractive version of this. That's not a big deal to me. Oh, boy. <laughs> but having said that, the most brilliant shit he ever did, and I think he's brilliant it is back to back when he had the diss with meek mill yep. and instead of waiting for a response he just dropped another one mm-hmm. so i was like i want to do that with a stand-up special uh, mm. i want to have one and then i'm working on it right now hopefully it'll be out next week if not it'll be about the week after i think awesome. but a crowd work one that we just drop right after mm, and so- the goal in this year is to let everybody know and again it's, it's this is i'm working up the confidence and the self-worth to say this but like when you talk about the best comics in the world i want to force my way into that conversation oh. mm. and i used to be scared to say i want to be the best ever andrew would always say that and i would envy this confidence that he had yeah. and i would just say well i want to be one of the best ever because it felt more humble right. now it's like fuck that i want to be the best ever go after that and yeah. it seems now like maybe there's a path so go i want to be the best ever and that's how i want to leave it but it's not worth it if it sacrifices my family and kids and I have one of these guys who has a shitty home life and his kids don't really love him and he's always gone. So I have to find a way to do both. Yeah. Right. I can't have one without the other. I don't know about a brand necessarily, but I hope when I'm done, you look back and you say, yo, this guy's the best to ever do it. And he lived a life that isn't perfect and he owned that it wasn't perfect. He never pretended to be anything he wasn't, but he lived a life that is worth trying to emulate in some way. Mm. Gosh, yeah, that's good, that's awesome. That's I'm curious to think your opinion of like the best three to ever do it. Oof. Chappelle is up there for sure. Mm-hmm. Patrice O'Neill for sure. Mm. And oh, wow. yeah, he's incredible. Yeah. He's incredible. Yeah. Andrew, that's his number one ever. Uh-huh. And then we went to his taping of his one hour Comedy Central special. And it was so fucking good. And he has a, an album that came out after called Mr. P. Have you heard that? No, I have not. Oh, Check it out. Dude. He, has the, right. he has the best bit on reparations I've ever heard in my life. Right. Like he's this fat black dude that everybody assumes is dumb. And that's what I love about. It. He's actually a fucking genius. Right. And all these people are like, oh, he must be so dumb and ignorant. And he plays that up. But underneath it, he's brilliant. And he's saying the smartest shit. And he has a joke about black women dating white women. That's the best. Every comic has tried to do it. And he had the best version of it, period. Hmm. Um, Mr. P, I think, is even better than his special, Bring uh, Elephant in the Room. But I thought 
Those two are up there for sure. And then I think Pryor. I was just going to ask. Yeah. Just because and I, well, I still watched and laughed, but it, well, I wasn't in the moment. I'm sure if I was in the 70s, I yeah. really fucking loved it. Yeah. But if you watch comedy before Pryor and comedy after Pryor, it's a very different thing. Yeah. He, mm. These he, are two completely he different He was so worlds. ahead of yes. his time. Because mm. it's, it's funny today. When it's, when it's yeah. funny 40, 50 years later, yeah. okay, like that's. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Man, Those are probably story. the three that I put up top. Okay, so so talk through. <laughs> you have no idea. Talk through the next. <laughs> I know who he is. Yeah, I remember. I'm talking about Terrell. You know when you lost him? Yeah, exactly. I'm telling you when you lost both of them. You mentioned DMX. When you mentioned DMX, I he knew. Come on, man. He knows this. Forget, I'm the only one with a platinum selling song right here. Have you ever had a rap song? Hell no. That's what I'm saying. I can't rap. That's what I'm saying. No. Drop the mic. <laughs> so what is the, what is 10-year plan? I mean, I'm not saying he doesn't you got to have a plan. I understand that. But like, what, what would, you're like, oh man, that would be awesome. And I, I know you don't want to be an actor because they're stupid and you're no, definitely not No, I actually stupid. would because it's so easy. Why not? Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, why not? I would love to be on a TV show or a movie that's good. Yeah, I I've done shit that I'm like this isn't good, and mm -hmm. I've gotten auditions for stuff. I'm like this sucks. Mm -hmm. I would love to do something that's good as long as it doesn't take me away from my podcast. Because as I've gotten married mm -hmm. and I think about kids a lot, and again, I don't want to sit here and talk like my marriage is bulletproof. It takes a lot of work, and I hope I will. She and I will continue to do that. But mm -hmm. I want to get to a point where we got that fuck you money, where mm -hmm. we have freedom to do whatever we want, and then I'll still do whatever I want to do. But I am dedicated to you and hopefully kids. Mm -hmm. And we have freedom financially. Right. So I would love like that eight, nine figure podcast deal that some of these guys are getting yeah. mm -hmm. and then live in a place that we're, that we're like both, we both love being here. Our yeah. kids are going to love being here and we're happy with that. Yeah. I think about, I think more short term with career and more long term with family. Oh. I would love to catch both yeah, up the long time, mm -hmm. but that, and I'm not saying it's a by just by design. That's yeah. just how I, when you said it, I realized my goals with career are always short term. My goals with family are always long term. Right. And I don't know why that is, but family, when yeah. you ask me 10 years, I'm thinking about fuck you money, happy family. And then the career is obviously in a place that's amazing, but like, I don't have specific goals for that. Yeah. You know? I, I mean, I can't argue with that logic though. Right. Family long term. Like that's what really ultimately truly matters. Yeah. And then, you know, the career, again, do what you love, but it's always what you do. Yeah. Yeah. It's not who you are. Yeah. yeah. And so. it is, it's like religious to me. Yeah. But I'm not, I'm dishonoring my actual religion if I don't do, I don't at least give my all to my family. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 So bring that. back a boo. Yeah. Bring Talk back to a us poo. about that. It kind of came from this idea, like I said, I felt like a lot of a lot of what the the Hollywood, what you're seeing in Hollywood is like, hey, woe is me, here's my sob story. Mm -hmm. Hey, white people feel bad for me. Hey, white people, you guys are bad. And when Apu got taken off The Simpsons, there was a documentary that got put out. I, have no, I don't want to bash the guy who made it, but the idea of it was like, yo, we really felt oppressed by Apu? Yo, he could, Apu, I got made fun of because of this character on The Simpsons who owned the convenience store. Mm. But I wasn't oppressed. That wasn't oppression. That was, that was bullying. And it's not great, but it wasn't oppression. And I just think we got lost somewhere in this race to be the biggest victim. That's right. like, look, we're not in that race. Black people won. Gay people, you somewhere in there. <laughs> that's it. You know what I mean? The rest of us, we're doing all right. We're here. You're fighting, you're fighting for bottom. Uh, Mexicans, you're going to get there. It's, you know what I mean? Yeah, you get, you're getting fucked up a little bit right now for sure. But like, what is the, you know, if you're a Muslim, and then my wife said this, if you are, she's Sikh, Sikh. Uh -huh. uh, so her dad wears a, a, a turban, a yeah. bug. Uh -huh. 
After 9-11, he, got, he went through shit. Yeah. Yeah. Men who wear the turban and women who wear the hijab, Muslim women who wear the hijab, they go through oppression based on how they look. Yeah. The rest of us, you get made fun of, you get bullied, you get a little bit. But nothing, it's not oppression, it's not systemic racism, it's not this thing that we have to overcome in our lives. And I saw a lot of people racing to get currency and victimhood mm-hmm. and try to use that as a career move. And that really bothered me. And it's like, look... I am for my people for sure, but I think now we get to craft our identity and I don't want it to be that. I don't want it to be, hey, look how we're victims and everything has to be the most liberal thing on earth. Otherwise, it's evil. Don't touch it. So that the idea of bring back a poo was like, I want to put 20 minutes out that kind of is themed around that. Mm -hmm. Let's not shit on white men all the time. White women, for sure. I don't like you guys. And um, (laughs) you guys, you deserve a little bit of flack now. And uh, American privilege is like, we should all look at us and say, yo, we're actually really lucky to be here. Mm -hmm. You know? And the Flagrant 2 podcast, find that anywhere? Flagrant 2 podcast, you can find that anywhere. It's me, it's Andrew Schultz, who's one of the biggest comics in the world. Mm -hmm. Good, 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 good friend of mine. One of my best friends on earth. So, like, we just have fun. A couple other really funny guys in the podcast, Mark Gagnon, Alex Media, and we just, we're four friends who just hang out and talk about things Mm -hmm. in a ridiculous way. And the idea... (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you do. (laughs) The idea of the podcast was, if it's... We started talking sports, because we knew people don't get that politically charged coming Mm -hmm. for sports. Uh, But we also knew that was, like, a cover for... Just the idea, which is if we're trying to be funny, it's okay. Right. And you, you might fuck up, but like you should have that space. And that's what the idea of the podcast is. Four friends hanging out, making crazy jokes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it, man. I love yeah, it. Go type in flagrant two to YouTube. You'll see some crazy jokes. Yeah, yeah. For sure. We're so, going to get Darren on yeah. there. And I said this to you guys earlier. If he doesn't get you said it's a, funny a lot podcast. of hateful <laughs> tweets, it's a funny podcast okay. and we will bring it out of him. Yeah, <laughs> you, hey, you come through too. No, you just got to find a chair. I'll, I'll be like your brother. I was going to say, I'll be like your brother, man. I'll sit, I'll sit and just. Yeah. We'll craft so, a chair design for those fucking shoulders. <laughs> For the, for the sheer mass that you have, those thighs. This guy got a lot of muscle, man. We got to get a special piece of furniture for that. Oh, but boy. we'll come say some wild things. Oh, I love yeah. it. Yeah. Well, I'm in the middle of 75 hard bends on the tail end of it. And uh, my night my night workout run walk, man, I that's my new podcast. The Flagrant, Flagrant 2 podcast. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. beautiful. So yeah. I should get caught up in no time. Yeah. All right, beautiful. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. This man, is an honor. Man, Again, dude. when you DM me, it yeah. was the most surreal moment. I was like, it said Darren Woods. No. I was like, there's no fucking way Darren Woods yeah. in my DMs. Wait a minute. There's crazy. a check. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, believe I looked for the check. And I was like, this is not a scam. This guy got a pool check. Just out of curiosity, how many DMs do you get? Like, is it too yeah, many? I was gonna, yeah, yeah, I get a lot. And I don't, I want to like give you a real response. And I always fuck up because I'm like, oh, I'll wait. When I have like a little more time, I give them a real response. And then so many come in, come in that I can't respond to any of them yeah. i just get overwhelmed right. but i'll respond to darren woodson for sure yeah. Yeah. i literally said don't this is insane that. like don't i responded like i was talking to nope like myself <laughs> like it was all just i was like dude this is insane holy shit yes <laughs> and then i said it's a crime you're not in the hall of fame and yeah. i was like why am i saying all this yeah. Yeah. seriously why are you saying all this this guy didn't know me hey we literally had to talk him off a cliff after that by the way that's a really sensitive subject yeah. thank you for bringing it up by the way <laughs> hey that's a fucking crime dude Rick Goslin, yes. do your fucking job, yo. Where you at? The fuck is this, man? You unemployed, you got time. Do something, freelance. Rick, that's not me, Rick. <laughs> I see you be leaving the, the Cowboys off your greatest players of all time list. Don't think I don't fucking peep. Have some respect for the 90s. Oh, man. David, what he does, though, is you need to zoom right, right in his face. Him, yeah. Come on, goose. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> 
Man, man, thank you so much. Yeah, thank gosh. you guys, man. It's, it's been, been special, bro. Awesome. Hey, it's truly special. Man. Thank you guys so much. There's very few. I feel like I made it moments. This was one. Yeah. No, no this is this is. Yeah, we you, made man. it. It's, it's nah, we made it. it. Nah, I know you joy. said that, but I was like, yeah. nah, man, Dad, come on. This is. Yeah. And are you in Ring of Honor yet? Oh, yeah, I'm in Ring of Honor. Oh, yeah. oh, please. <laughs> I'm offended you asked. I don't go to the stadium. I don't want to watch losses. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? We're going to end on that note. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Thanks, Akash. Man, hey. serious, man. It means a lot. Man. Thank you, man. It means a lot to you. Yeah. For you guys. Thank you, it's much. Been great, man. Man. Thank you. Any, anytime you're in Dallas, please let us know. Absolutely. We'll be front row. Yes. Grab food at With the, the free tickets that you June, provide. I got tickets for you and your, your wives yes. come through. Awesome. Yes. Can't wait. I love it. Not even question. That'll be my first. First comedy show. Beautiful. Is that, what, is that what you even call it? If, a comedy show? If you were sitting in the front, we would have had a fun ass time, but I know you now it'd be weird. But I would definitely pick on a <laughs> white guy this way. Hey, we ain't sitting up front, dog. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, I don't want it because I know you, but we're if I didn't know you, with you right? this we're, is we're, just such a, you just have such a nice white guy look to you. It's oh, a clean cut, fun white guy. What do you dude. call me? Apple pie? Is that what you call me? Yeah, nah, this guy. Uh, fucking you're That's what I call you. Need some vitamin D in your. <laughs> that's the funniest. That's the craziest thing. I'm the most cultured person in, on this on this podcast. You right are. Now. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Do you you yeah. said you don't speak Portuguese. I don't. Do you speak anything. I'm as white as they come. I know. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, Abilene Christian. Yeah. 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 Like you said, he's from Texas. Guaranteed, in three guesses, you could name the city that he was from. You said Abilene. Abilene right? yeah. would be in there. Yeah, Abilene sure. or Lubbock would be my guesses. Or Corpus Christi. Now you're talking about West Country. West. All right, All right, fellas. Right. Appreciate, well, appreciate you. Thank you, guys. God bless.